everybody welcome back to another episode of big apple hockey it's wednesday that means we got a lot of hockey stuff that we have to talk about especially today because uh there was some phone calls made around the league i of course am your host mark williams who did not receive a phone call from the hall of fame why not guys i mean i know lou definitely wants to hear from me and hold on sorry i accidentally i didn't have my computer muted i'm sorry and I'm joined by a man who did not make that mistake, Mr. John Volkowski. Long live the king. Move that damn name thing right now. <laughs> Long live the king, baby. Long live the king. All right. And the man who got to see one of his childhood favorite stars going into the Hall of Fame, Mr. Anthony Larocco. Yeah, yes. Pierre Turgeon, probably my all-time favorite Islander. It was a sad day when he got traded. Matter of fact, I cried. Um, but yeah, congrats to him on a fantastic career. Happy for him. That was an interesting day when he got traded. Cause that was basically him and, uh, Vladimir Malkov for Kurt Muller and Matthew Schneider. And yep. Her, I, mean, I do not want to play for the Islanders Muller. Yep. I mean, yeah. that was a bad, bad deal. That was, that was basically the end of his career. Well, I mean, how do you not make sure the guy doesn't want to play for you before he, you go get them, but whatever. And hey, everybody, again, we are going to be delving in to a lot of topics as we go into, I'm able to use this again, the A block, where we're covering a couple of calls to the hall. One was expected. I'm not sure if another one was exactly expected, but it was certainly endorsed and liked. Big Apple Hockey Trucker Hats, they're available in the link below. Click the link. And also, the A Block is always sponsored by SeatGeek. Get $20 off your first order. Just use the promo code Big Apple Hockey. So today, again, I thought it was just going to be Henrik Lundqvist going in. Here's his numbers right now. Henrik Lundqvist, named the Hockey Hall of Fame. 459 wins, 243 goals against. Uh, 2.43 goals against and a 9.18 save percentage for his career. He's the 41st goalie into the Hall of Fame. But he's got plenty of company because the Islanders' former star center, Pierre Turgeon, named to the Hockey Hall of Fame as well. 515 goals, 812 assists, 13.27 points. He was a plus 139. I had to put that number in. I know you guys say plus minus is overrated. That looked like it was definitely no. Not. When, it, when it's that high, it means you're doing something right. Pierre Turgeon did a lot of things right throughout his career. So I'll flash some other stats that are in here for, about them. But Phil, let's start with Henrik Lundqvist. What is your reaction to Lundqvist? Actually, well, you could do them both if you want to. Lundqvist and Turgeon getting in. I, I mean, all right. I'll say this. So Henrik Lundqvist is one of my all-time favorite Rangers. One of my probably my all-time favorite goalie. Pierre Turgeon is one of three Islanders that I actually liked and adored while they were Islanders. So that tells you what I think of Pierre Turgeon. Um, yeah, I had to put that a little one in there because I dare anyone to find a better Game 7 goaltender than Henrik Lundqvist. Those stats are video game numbers. They're video game numbers. The two losses... You want to know how many goals the Rangers scored in the two losses? What, anyone want to take a guess? Zero. Oh, sorry. Th- uh, one. One. Who scored one. the goal? One. And it was the goal in 2009 against the Capitals. Who got it? And that was, I believe, Brandon Dubinsky. I thought it was Nick Antropov. We'll have to take a look at that. 
I would no, you know what? You might be right. That might be Andropov in that game. Dubinsky was the was when he absolutely dangled Jeff Schultz in that game. I actually watched that game with Anthony. Funny, I watched both those games with Anthony, actually. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they scored the one goal in that game and they got shut out against Tampa in 2015 in game seven. So yeah, one goal, those two combined losses. And so, game five while you're at it in that series. Yeah, yeah, I, or whatever. But <laughs> it's Lundqvist is just, he's the best goaltender of his generation. And I've had people trying to tell me, oh, what about Martin Brodeur? Martin Brodeur is not his generation. Stop mentioning his name with that generation. That generation is Lundqvist, Roberto Luongo, Pecorine, Marc-Andre Fleury, um, Mika Kiprasov. You want to say Carrie Price? Carrie Price, Tuka Rask. I'm talking about that generation from like 2000 as well, from like 2000 and on, like that that area where they all started playing around that time. So, no, Patrick Love was is by far the greatest goaltender of his generation. Uh, he was the just the the watermark of consistency among goaltending. Has the most 30 goal, uh, 31 seasons to start his career. He's probably the second best European goaltender all time behind Dominic Hoshik, if you want to take a look at that. I mean, th- this guy was everything for the Rangers. If he had half the talent that Marc Andre Fleury or someone like Tom Barrasso had in front of him, the guy would have had multiple Stanley Cups, multiple. And I mean, there's there, what else is there really to say about Henrik Lundqvist? The guy is a brick wall, human highlight reel, some of the best saves you've ever seen. I mean, as a, as a fan of a, of a rival team, you've got to respect this guy. Held himself with class, dignity. I mean, he's a guy that you hated because you, you had to play against him because he would stonewall your team. But, my God, you'd do anything to have him on your team. He was like, he was like the Rangers version almost of a John Bellavo in the way that he handled himself and the, and the star power that he gave, you know, in this city. So, um, I, I mean, and I can't say much else about Lundqvist that hasn't already been said, but I, I'll speak to Pierre Turgeon. I mean, 515 goals, 1,327 points, phenomenal numbers, over a career point-per-game player, has probably about 10 or 11 years that are Hall of Fame worthy in his career, was productive well into his 30s, and had not his late to mid late thirties coincided with a, a a big drop in scoring league wide, his numbers would probably be even better. Uh, I mean, his his late years were right in like the middle of like two thousand two, three, four. You know those real those real low scoring years. Yeah, those real defensive years. Yeah, and and Terjan was a guy that was a number one center, a legitimate number one center, a guy who carried offense on a lot of teams. Four of his six stops in the NHL, he's a career point-per-game player at. Buffalo, the Islanders, Montreal, and St. Louis, who's all point-per-game players in all four of those locations. That's pretty damn impressive to be that good and that consistent over. And there were some politics that I think may have prevented him from going into the hall a little sooner. We've covered that previously. I'm not going to get into that. It's beating a dead horse. has to do with the whole World Junior thing from years ago with that brawl. But... Pierre Turgeon was the number one scorer of any player that was not in the Hall of Fame before today. Just think of that. 34th all-time in scoring. 
How was this guy not in? I, I just don't get it. And, and, and another one. Nothing but class. True sportsman. Excellent player. Tremendous talent. He deserved this a long, long time ago. Even as I hated the fact that he was an Islander when he was because he'd kill the Rangers. And that was a guy you wanted on your team. Another one. You hated See that him. OT goal that basically sunk the 93 Rangers. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And he just, he was a guy that I was happy to see in St. Louis because I, I, I also don't like Montreal for anyone who's not familiar with me. Um, so when he went to St. Louis, it was, it was pretty nice to be able to root for him. So uh, yeah, great career for Pierre Tarjan. Oh, long overdue. I'm, I'm very, very happy that he's in. Uh, Anthony, go ahead. Start with you. Cause I mean, we were talking about this before. There's like a narrative to Pierre Turgeon that just isn't true. And I'd like you to go with that. So you said there's a what narrative? It's like the narrative that I was talking about with you that with the Pierre Turgeon, like that he wasn't the same after that infamous moment. Oh yeah. That he wasn't, that he wasn't the same player after the Dale Hunter hit, but that's not true. I mean, the guy had 94 points with the Islanders after that hit. Um, then in Montreal, he went on to have a 96 point season. And then in St. Louis towards, you know, the back half of his career, he had an 86 point season with the blues. So, um, yeah, he, he, he fully recovered from that hit, but overall he was just a fantastic player, silky smooth. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that kind of made a pass when you wouldn't expect it and found the guy and he scored a goal. That's thus the name sneaky Pete. Uh, I believe Pete, uh, Ray Ferrar referred to him as that, but, um, called him that when he's with the Islanders, but, uh, hell of a player. Um, again, you know, if not, you know, for kind of having some meaty years there in the dead buck era, he probably would have had a lot more points. Um, you know, my favorite player growing up, uh, as I said, I remember getting his jersey on Christmas when I was probably about like eight years old and um, being thrilled. And when he found when I found out he was traded, I actually cried. Um, I, I loved him. He was uh, my favorite Islander along with Ziggy Palfi. Um, so well, well deserved. And, you know, for Lundquist, uh, I think everyone expected him to get in, even though he didn't win the cup. Um, you knew that he was going to get in the Hall of Fame either way. He was a big money goalie uh, consistently at the top of the league when he was in his prime. Uh, sixth all time in wins. Um, great guy in the community. Uh, and, you know, his career would have been even longer if not for his heart issues. And, you know, I'm sure Ranger fans are, um, you know, happy in the end that he never played for another team, um, even though, you know, he was a capital for – not really, not really much time, uh, you know. But, uh, Officially never was. Yeah, he, he wore their uniform. You see pictures of him in their uniform and like camp and stuff. And uh, But, yeah, never played for the Capitals. So basically a Ranger his whole career. Um, and, you know, he was, as an Islander fan, you know, he was frustrating to watch because early on he was, he was like a goalie he hadn't seen in a long time. He was always putting up gaudy numbers. Uh, and it wasn't until later in his career where his, you know, his play started to dip a little bit. But fantastic career, great guy, and, you know, I'm happy for him and his family. Whenever I think about, and I'm going to start with Pierre Terrigian on this. Uh, as Phil said, he killed killed the Rangers uh, when he was playing against them. And the Rangers got away from Pat LaFontaine, who used to kill them as well. And they had to go to Pierre Turgeon, who would kill them just as much. Also in that trade, if I recall correctly, Ben Waho came over. Shout out to Benny. And uh, oh. I got I to gotta oh, think about... Like, Benny. 
Well, I ran into him a couple times at the local bar, so I gotta, I gotta yeah, say he, that he killed, us, he killed us in men's league. Oh yeah, that is factual. With... That is factual. Now, the moment also that always everybody is gonna think about with him, unfortunately, was him scoring that big goal that would, uh, that would be the the insurance goal to beat the Washington Capitals. Dale Hunter, disgusting check. I know we had Ray Ferrar on. He said he was just finishing his check. I do not believe that for one second. Garbage. His hands were in the air. He was definitely celebrating. Garbage. If you see me back, back here right now, everybody, I got a Rangers jersey right behind me. Clearly, that was the team uh, I was rooting for at the time. They were knocked out of the playoffs by the Islanders. And I was annoyed as all hell when that hit happened. If there was one hit that made everyone in the hockey world to go, what the hell was that? It was that play. And then uh, I always, I was always a big Pierre Turgeon fan. By the I way, I, I always throw this out. He's the only number one overall draft pick to pitch in the Little League World Series. But <laughs> I, I remember Rich Pilon flying in like he was a WWE wrestler after Dell Hunter threw that hit. Uh, Pilon went in there, guns a blazing. But yeah, no, that was, yeah. that was a disgusting, disgusting moment. Um, but like I said, uh, Turgeon went on to have a great career afterwards, too. So, And I know what you guys are saying about his passing ability. Whenever I think about Pierre Turgeon, I think about that wrist shot. I mean, the only yeah, he, other guy that could compare that wrist shot to yeah, was Joe Sackett. He, he, that, that, that off-wing wrist shot from the outside going the other way to the opposite corner, man, like he was one of the best I've ever seen at doing that, man. He could pick that corner like nobody else and, and just – and that's such a hard shot to score on, too. So good at it. And he was—he would just flick his wrist. It would be over. Bang. Gone. Just bang. Right in. And again, the only guy I could compare his wrist shot to was Joe Sackett. And, of course, Henrik Lundqvist. Henrik Lundqvist is possibly the closest thing to Joe DiMaggio that the New York Rangers ever had as far as on the, on the, on the ice, he was fantastic. Off the ice, he was a legend because the guy did all the charities. He carried himself. He, he's, you know, with all due respect to Rod Gilbert, you, this is the only other guy you could ever call Mr. Ranger. And Rod Gilbert loved New York City. He always talked about it. And, um, I mean, Henry Glundquist is what it means to be a New York Ranger. And it, it, it was said the day they bought him out. It was said the day that he had to retire. And now... This day, he's going to be immortalized right next to Brian Leach. As uh, Stephen just said, the fourth New York Rangers draft pick to make the, the Hall of Fame. Jeez. I mean, that's not good for your history. I mean, Anthony's got four <laughs> with the Islanders that are already in by themselves. But, uh, Anthony, I'm going to go right back to you. What are some of your thoughts on the other inductees that went in? Tom Barrasso, uh, for one. Um uh, I'm trying to remember all of them that were right off of Mike Gartner, but go ahead. Well, Tom Barrasso, you know, widely viewed as at the time, uh, maybe even still one of the best American-born goalies. Um, he was he was really great in his career, Buffalo early on, his time in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, and in an era where the scoring was, you know, higher than it is now, um, he performed really well. Uh, Barrasso, you know, I mean, he was key in a lot of runs for Pittsburgh. Um, and then you have Mike Vernon. I mean, Mike Vernon, uh, the f first year Detroit won. Uh, he was the, he was a starting goalie. The following year, Osgood overtook him. But um, again, Vernon was great with Detroit later on. 
his career and then you know obviously his time early younger when he was the mainstay with the flames so um also a really good career for him um you know it's it's surprising to see three goalies get in in one class but uh you know i don't know or can recall a time that's happened before maybe it has but um there's only really 40 goalies it, in the hall before today anthony yeah um and honestly if i would have i mean without really like deep diving into it and really thinking about it. If you would have asked me uh, off the top of my head, you know, who should get in Curtis Joseph or Mike Vernon, I, I might've said Cujo, but um, when you really yeah. kind of look into the stats and, you know, stuff like that, I could very see why Mike Vernon got in over him. Um, but overall, no, no issues with the class. My, I mean, really the biggest thing I think everybody agrees is did did Alex Mogilny like kick someone's dog or did he like, or he did he like steal a piece of candy from a baby? Because <laughs> I don't, I don't know why this guy is not in the Hall of Fame. I mean, um, he left vapor trails. Uh, kudos for, to Rick Generate for coming up with that yeah. one. But um, he was a hell of a player. I mean, obviously, you know, you have his seventy-six goal season, but um, he was a dynamic player in a time where you know you, you saw flashy skill. Don't get me wrong, but McGillney was all flash. Um, he was hell of a player. Uh, finally got his cup with New Jersey, um, you know, kind of in the backside of his career. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't see how this guy continues to get snubbed. I, I, I really don't. He's the, he's the biggest issue I have. Um, I think he should have got in, but other than that, I mean, I don't have a problem with the class. Ken Hitchcock, well-deserved in, in the coaching category. Um, so overall, uh, good class. Uh, can't wait to see him get inducted officially in November, but yeah, Mo- Mogilny is, I, I hate it. I think he should be in. Um, you know what, uh, Phil? Before we'll, we'll circle back to the other inductees right now. Who who do you have for your biggest snub? McGillney. It, it, it's by far it's McGillney. It, uh, it just I don't understand. Um, I mean, he he one he was a, a trailblazer for many. I mean, for the Russians, he was a big trailblazer. His was the first big Russian defection. Um, I mean, he, he went in, in the middle of the night, and his story is just its crazy. I mean, and, and the comment, I mean, I'll always go back to the comment with Keenan. Why, why should I be scared of Keenan? Yeah. I, 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 I fled Russia in the middle of the night. Mike Keenan doesn't scare me. So, yeah, like, In the trunk I mean, of a car for, what, eight hours yeah, or something? Yeah, just ridiculous. And then point-per-game player. And this is a guy who was still a point-per-game player despite having down points in his career, especially after 96, like from 96, 97, 98, like, like, I mean, 97, 98, 99, like that area, like he looked like he was toast. And then he came back in like 2001, stormed back 40-goal point-per-game season, and then was productive with Toronto with 30-goal point-per-game seasons. And, and just – I. I really I, – I don't understand where the logic is with him. The other one for me was Jeremy Roenick. 500-plus goals, 1,200-plus points. Is it the comments from a couple of years ago? I mean, I know he's been snubbed for a while, but, like, this is a guy that was really, really good. And I'm going to go to Music's comment here. Anyone with 500-plus goals should be Hall of Fame. I mean, there's a point to that. And, and, and Roenick, I mean – I, I did a little bit of a deeper dive with Roenick. So from 91 to 2001, those 11 seasons with Chicago and um, Arizona, 
he had he was over a point per game in like 810 games. He had like 860 points in 810 games and was one of the best players in the entire league for an 11-year span. Like when you looked up like top 10 players, like forwards-wise, I should say, like Rodick was right at the top of that list for nearly the entirety of that time. And all those seasons, he was either a point-per-game or better or was just under a point-per-game, even when he went to Arizona, when he went to Phoenix. So for me, I, I don't understand it. I, I just think they're snubbing him for the wrong reasons. I, I, I think that it should be an, on, on merit of, of hockey career if this is the case. But this is a guy that just – he has everything. He has the resume. He's one of the best American-born players ever. He was great in international competition. Was incredible in the World Juniors when he played in the World Juniors. I mean, it just where where is the problem with Jeremy Roenick? Got to agree with you on that. Twelve hundred sixteen points, and you look at the people under him: Bobby Clark, less points. Uh, granted, I mean Bernie Nichols, Vincent Danfoos follow right after that. Larry Murphy is just ahead of him at 12-17. Sean yeah, Bellavoe right before him, but too. still, come on. I mean, Jeremy Roenick, he also played at a defensive era. Jeremy Roenick should be in. Uh, Keith Kachuk is another guy that that boggles my mind. Uh, you guys actually took one of mine. Uh, I have to say two of them that I've been saying all along, David Poyle and uh, Stan Fischler. What do they got to do to get in the hall? But – I guess to, to go with what Anthony's saying, maybe McGillney's got to get in the trunk of a car and drive up to uh, Toronto or something. I mean, that's it, it's it's unbelievable the bravery of this guy when he defected. Then his level of play, he's the one that basically ushered in all the Russians coming into the league. It, it, how do you not honor this guy? So, and I, 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 I don't I don't I don't get it. I, I don't get it. Uh, Phil, real quick, what's your thoughts? Ken Hitchcock and uh. Pierre Lacroix and Mike Vernon. Um, I really wasn't high on Vernon and Barrasso. Uh, I it just for for me Barrasso five great years and then the rest of his career really isn't all that amazing. So I was kind of like shocked that he got in. Vernon, I never thought of Vernon as one of the best goalies in in the league. Like I mean, I, I there was always like a a Belfour Wah. Brodor, Hashik, like that level. And then I thought of like Vernon on like that Osgood level below, like those guys. I mean, I, I get the arguments for both of them, but I, I don't necessarily agree. Um, I love Ken Hitchcock being on there. Definitely deserves it. Pierre Lacroix, I believe he was the general manager for both of those Colorado Cup winners. In uh, I believe both, yes. So, yeah, he definitely deserves it. I mean, he he's a big reason why hockey is as big as it is in Denver. I mean, even if you don't, even if he didn't get the '96 one, the 2001 was a big, big one for them, and and that is still paying dividends because I mean, youth hockey registration in Colorado definitely skyrocketed after that second cup win. So Pierre Lacroix definitely deserving. And after all, youth hockey was doing so well in Colorado that Popeye Jones, who was playing for the Denver Nuggets, his son ended up becoming. Uh, hockey player Seth Jones. Both his sons, Caleb and Seth. Yep. All right. Well, let's go take a quick word from DraftKings. And uh, it looks like Anthony's already started bar talk without us. 
So, <laughs> yeah, a little bit of land shark right there. All right, now let's let's go right to the the DraftKings read first, and then we'll go to we're going to go into bar talk. Hockey fans light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just. $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot and an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sports app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Shot. This is the easiest cyber to answer. I'm going to say beer. I can't even begin to describe. I'm actually going to go crazy. I'm going to buy everybody around on this one. Welcome back, everybody, to Big Apple Hockey's Bar Talk, where we're gauging our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice to drink. Are you so confident that you're buying everybody around? So, so, I'll just take a beer or, oh, God, give me a shot, please. And also, you just send us a bunch of land sharks. <laughs> well, I could, I could use a land shark right now. I got, I got that fancy water. Nice. <laughs> All right. And also, you know what you could do in this situation? Why go to the liquor store? Go on Drizzly, click the link below, and have them bring whatever they want to you, whatever you want to you. You know, beer, liquor, wine, they'll do it all. As always, the big Apple Hockey Trucker hats are available. Click the link below. And also on the new domain that I have registered for, BAHpod or BigAppleHockeyPodcast.com, you can check out my article, Sellers or Morris or Good Folds, where I'll look at four recent trades of top prospects because – Peter Lav- uh, Laviolette. <laughs> Counter number one. I no, no, I didn't mispronounce it. I paused. There was there was a stutter. No, that's still a mess up. That's still a mess up. Peter Laviolette. These young players need an opportunity to grow. They have to be not given anything, but given an opportunity to grow. Which, by the way, of course, he's going to say that in the press conference. Filk. The New York Rangers can get 150 points out of Lafreniere, Heedle, and Kako next season. Ooh, this is a good one. Um, hmm. I'm going to say beer. Uh, you know what? And I'm going to go – the only reason why I'm going to say beer is it hinges on one player for me. And it's Alexi Lafreniere. I wonder how seriously he's going to take his skating, his conditioning, and his strength this offseason. And remember, uh, uh, Alexi La- uh, Mika Zibanejad, rather, uh, had a nice discussion with David Quinn when David Quinn first came in. And David Quinn talked to him about his strength, his off-seasons, and his regimen, his dieting, and everything like that. Uh, that's when Mika Zibanejad turned into the – 20 goal, 40 point, 50 point type guy mm-hmm. to the 30 goal, 70 point player, the guy that we know now. So, um, I, it's really Lafreniere for me. 
and how seriously does he take this offseason and what he gives? Because I think if he takes that next step and he gets to a 56-point player, I think this is more than possible because I think Capo Caco just needs to work a little bit on his skating and just get consistent minutes with consistent line mates. Heedle, I think, is already there and plays like a man. I, I think that I think if he's healthy, he's good for 50 plus points next year. So Anthony, do you think they can count on these guys for 150 points combined? There's only one answer for this, and it's beer, because I'm not gonna say shot because that's saying it's not possible, and I'm not gonna say round because that's guaranteeing it. And none of them have hit 50 points before in their career. Uh Hedel came close 45, but um I think I think he's the most one of the lock to to do 50, but um yeah, it's it's beer. Obviously, it depends if they take the next step, how much minutes they get. Um, but you know, it, it's it's not a lock, and it's you know also uh, not impossible. So I, I think I think it's a beer. Uh, I am confident about Heel getting fifty points. Kako and Lafreniere, honestly, the jury's out on. We'll see. Would we really say that round is a lock? Because I've heard you say that a couple of times lately, and now I'm kind of like questioning this process here. No, well, I mean, I they're going to get 150 points combined. So, like, if one of them goes off. No, no, no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that he's saying that a round means like it's a lock, it's a guarantee. Like, is, is that really what we're going for with that now? Oh, it's gauging your confidence. Well, my, yeah. So, if, if I say round, that's basically me saying it's going to happen and i don't know for sure if it is i think there's a chance of it happening but it's not not a lock you know that they're, they're not it's not a guarantee they're all going to get a, they're going to equal 150 points out of all three of them together i don't know i think we're i don't know i, I just think that's semantics but okay yeah well it's a little bit of semantics but unfortunately by the way anthony's right about that i, I gotta go beer on that one too because you need 11 points out of lafreniere uh 10 points out of Kako. And five more points out of Heedle. So, I mean, that's pretty close. I mean, you're talking 26 points. And that could that could be done very quickly. Uh, I happen to think Alexei Lafreniere is going to do really well under LaViolette because he just always seems to get, like, a speedy winger to, to just break out of nowhere. Look at uh, a few years ago when Victor Arvidsson led the National Predators in scoring. Nobody was going to pick him to do that. And also um, a future article I'm going to work on in later on the month is looking at the centers under LaViolette. Like he got a hundred point season on a Mark Stahl. When does Mark Stahl ever have a hundred points other than Eric Stahl? Oh, thank you. Jesus Christ. If Mark Stahl had a 100 point season, I think we would have. Wait, are you, are you trying to compare any of these guys to Eric? Eric Stahl was, was a really high pick. They're these. Are you trying to compare Eric Stahl to? I understand. No, no, saying, too, no, 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 not not to them. Quality of product. I'm talking about quality of production from the quality of coaching, and also with in this particular case, what he's going to impact with Mika Zibanejad because Mika Zibanejad is capable of 100 points. I'm not saying Heedle is going to get 100 points. I'm not crazy, Anthony. <laughs> so, <laughs> so by the way, that was also a big Apple hockey hat trick. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, Anthony, yeah, Mark sniper Stahl. Mark Stahl. The only, the only thing Mark Stahl snipes is the opposition's shin pads. Because yeah. I don't think I don't think anybody 
has shot into as, mu- as many shin pads as Mark Stahl has in his entire career. That I'm guy glad you knew running. Eric Stahl right off the top of your head because you knew where I was going with that. I just said the wrong name. Yeah. I, there, I there are too many stalls in the league. Please eliminate two. <laughs> uh, all right. Anthony, Josh Bailey is entering the final year of his $5 million contract. The Islanders need to trade Josh Bailey before July 1st. It's just easy. It's around. Look what happened to the Islanders last year. Uh, Lou's inability to move cap space before free agency opened was the reason that Kadri was an Islander. If they had the money up front at July 1st, they wouldn't have had to do the whole dog and pony show. Um, if they had moved salary, maybe they could have been actual players for Gaudreau and, you know, actually tendered him a contract. Um, but again, they didn't have the cap space. So they couldn't do that. And then they handicapped Lou what he was able to do um, the rest of the summer. So I think for Lou to be a player in free agency, even a guy like Tarasenko who really won't break the bank or, or really anybody, um, he needs to have the cap space at hand to make the signings rather than be sitting on the sidelines. Um, so by moving right now, the Islanders have, about $5 million of cap space to play with. Um, you know, when, when you figure in having to sign Wallstrom, even though he's not going to cost much and, um, you know, maybe maybe bring back a guy like Engvall or, or whatever the case may be, by moving Josh Bailey, then they can do some other things. If they don't, they're going to be handicapped. So, yes, uh, they absolutely need to move Bailey before July 1st uh, so they can really, you know, have a lot of options when it comes to what they could do with the roster. If they don't move Bailey – they don't have much flexibility in cap space. Filk. I think Anthony convinced me. Um, I'm going to go around on this just because I, I was going to say beer before, just because I, I feel like you could move him in the off season for nothing. But I think the cap space argument to be a major player in free agency is a big thing for me. Um, again, Anthony's right. Lou, Lou can't sit on the sidelines. Can't sit around with his thumb up his ass. He's got to go make moves, um, especially if you were going to go and make a deal for Horvat and try to have this team as a contender moving forward instead of retooling, maybe rebuilding. Like I think they should have at some point. Um, I Now you got to go and you got to make sure that you have the cap space available and you got to be aggressive at this point. You, you, you took a step in the direction. Now you can't turn back. Your foot's already in the door. Now you gotta go. You gotta bust through the door. So yeah, I'm I'm round on this. Uh, let's make it another hat trick, boys. Uh, I thought you were gonna say the word layup, Philk, because I think this one is definitely a layup. Now I said trade in there because you if, if they can mod, if they can find a way and get a team that can absorb the cap hit, you could trade them away. After all, Lou got l- rid of Andrew Ladd without retaining salary. Yeah, That's that crazy. is unreal. I don't know how it's he did unreal. that. I want so to first... know who like he threatened it with cement boots. <laughs> well, it worked. But as far as uh, if you could trade him, great. If you can't, they're buying him out. And you can already hear the um, Islander fans start chant- uh, singing about that. Hey, Josh Bailey. Good. I want to know. I want anyway, to know. Uh, but the buyout deal. cost is 1.16 million dollars every single year uh if if they can't trade them you buy them out and it has to be as anthony said because this was his topic uh before july 1st because that's when the bio window if you you buy them buying amounts buying amounts better than nothing but if you buy them out you you know you save i think they save about 2.6 million 
Um, so, like I said, it's better than nothing, but you want to trade him and get rid of that full $5 million for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and again, I just, I just wonder if any team's really willing to bite the bullet on that at this point because they know that the Islanders are in a precarious position. Yeah, somebody will. I think somebody well, will get a bottom feeder. Get like a Anaheim with Josh Bailey. Um, he's actually owed less in cash than his cap hit, so his cap hit is five million. He's only owed, I believe, three and a half million. Um, well, for a budget team, that could be attractive. Yeah, yeah. By the way. Uh, we didn't cover this in the A block. One thing that shocks me is Josh Bailey is probably going to be in the Islanders Hall of Fame. <laughs> uh, but Josh Bailey is probably going to be in the Islanders Hall of Fame playing a thousand seasons, a thousand games with one team. Thousand now, seasons, thousand seasons. Really that's a hell of a lot. <laughs> but a thousand, a thousand games, a thousand seasons. We're talking about tour right now. <laughs> uh, so it's. So he's got a thousand games, with one team. It shocks me that both Pierre Turgeon and Pat LaFontaine aren't in the Islanders Hall of Fame. But that, that's something that just shocks uh, me. I, I know a little bit about why LaFontaine might not be in the Hall of Fame, but I, I don't want to discuss it on here. All right. But still, nonetheless, I think they should honor Pat LaFontaine, just if, if not for anything for the fans. They should. Guys, this week, and we're hearing a lot of chatter about it, the Devils have inquired about. Uh, Connor Hellebuck from the Jets. The Devils with Hellebuck are a Stanley Cup contender. Filk. You know what? I'm going to say beer just because I, I think that the way that the East played out this year and Boston more than likely not going to be able to replicate that same success, possibly even losing both Krejci and Bergeron. Plus Bertuzzi, um, I think they might take a step back. I think Tampa Bay gave up way too much for Tanner Janot, and I think they're going to be floundering around again until they get to the deadline. I don't think they're the same team anymore. Maybe Florida makes serious moves, but I, I think the Devils may have a chance to come out of the East this year depending on the moves that they make and if they can get somebody like Hellebuck. So um, I don't think... I'm not going to say round because I'm not super confident on it. Um, uh, all right. You know what? I'll say round. I'll say round because the, the words are actually cup contender and not cup threat. Mm-hmm. The cup threat would imply a team that really is, is one of the favorites and has a real, real, real good chance at it. But cup contender, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say round. Anthony, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go round. Um, they're they're a young, fast team. Uh, you could say goaltending. I mean, Akira Schmid played well at times, but uh, um, a top-flight goaltender it was really kind of holding them back in some way. So um, if they were to add Hellebuck to you know the core of guys that they already have with Palat and Hughes and Heeshier and Bratt and you know likely Timo Meyer long term, um, they're they're going to be a dangerous team. And uh, Hellebuck is one of the best goalies in the league. So. If they added him, that's not good for the rest of the Metro division. But, yeah, around for me, for sure. I, I think they would have to make sure they move out Vitek Vanacek, who could be their franchise goalie going forward. Uh, although he kind of wore down as the season went on. Maybe he can pick it up this year. But if you're going to take on Connor Hellebuck, you're going to take on a lot more than $3.4 million, which is what they have allocated right now 
They got some cap space, but they also do have some free agents. Ryan Graves has to be resigned. Timo Meyer has to be resigned. Uh, uh, Igor Serigovich is probably going to get dealt, but Miles Wood. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are their depth guys that you look like. And uh, Dawson Mercer comes up on a new contract next year. It might be too much to ask, but they still have the assets to go get them. I, I think if they add Connor Hellebuck, they're dangerous because my number one thing about them is their goaltending. And now you get a guy. What do they give that, up in the deal? Well, there's that's they that. still got their first round pick next year, a second round pick this year. And uh, there's a conditional first rounder in 2025, but that goes to San Jose uh, if the Devils are uh, – uh, they have the option. It's an option to give that one up. So that's about it on that one. All right. Looking over to the team Connor Hellbuck is currently on. Guys, I've said this before. One of my favorite Def Leppard songs is Tear It Down. And the Winnipeg Jets might be the most interesting team of this 2023 offseason. That's actually the topic. That's not even a buildup to it. I'm going to I'm going to actually go around on this one, guys, because I think the I think the Jets have to tear it down. I think it, they're not I don't, I don't think they're really ready for prime time anymore. The the the, the locker room seems to be toxic. Uh Rick Bonus, who's one of the nicest guys in the NHL, went off on the team when they got eliminated. I I, I, I can't have a good feeling about the Jets. I think uh, Kevin Chevadayoff needs to tear this whole thing down and start it up over again. Anthony, what do you think? Yeah, this this is a round for me. Um, you know, you got you got Dubois going to be traded. Hellebuck's likely going to be traded. Shifley might be traded. Blake Wheeler might be bought out or traded. Um, they're they're going to be making um, some wholesale changes here. I mean, those are those are a lot of good players. Um, likely more than likely and not being moved. So um, I think the Jets team is going to look very different. Uh, so we'll see what happens in the next week or so, 10 days. But um, I think there's a very chance all those guys are not wearing Winnipeg Jets uniforms um, come October. And John saying around on this one too, Phil, what do you think? You agree with them? I'm going to say layup. <laughs> it's uh, the layup. You, you have, you have four different players that, are rumored to be out. And the Blake Wheeler news came out of nowhere. Um, that was Jeff Merrick that uh, reported that. But yeah, you, yeah, Blake Wheeler, still a good player, not himself anymore. He's up there in age, I believe 37, 38 years old at this point. So he he's, he's not the star player he was a few years ago. But he's still a good player. He's still a useful player. Connor Hellebuck, obviously, still one of the better goalies in the league. Pierre-Luc Dubois, could, the second-line center that could maybe be a first-line center, given a chance on a new team. And, and then you, you're looking at Mark Shifley, and you know his, he had a 40-goal year last year. Uh, you know, obviously, he's been pretty consistent for a very long time now. So, yeah, this is going to be a completely different Winnipeg Jets team. Maybe they're going to be a team that look looking at the draft lottery in 2024. Who knows? I'm looking at some of these other contracts they have on here, guys. You got Kyle Connor, who's tied up until uh, 2026 at 7.1 million. Right now, that looks like a steal. But you got Nikolai Ehlers. Nikolai Ehlers, the last two years, he I've had him in fantasy. Too. Yeah, yeah, I think he might be gone too. 
He's got a modified no trade clause. Kyle Connor doesn't have any tra- no trade protection, so they can move him if they if they got the right deal. I think if if they decided to strip it down to the studs, Winnipeg could really recoup assets. Hard man, they could they could get a king's, especially if they dealt Kyle Connor with three years left on his deal at seven point one. Who would not want to take Kyle Connor at that rate at his age? Like he, he's only twenty six years old, going to be twenty seven in uh, December, and he is still super productive. Is he going to be a 40-goal, 90-point player again? I, I don't know, but he's a lock for like 30 and probably a point per game if he's healthy. Yeah, that's – and then you have like uh, Josh Morrissey, who's got, what, six yeah, years on his deal? He, he's another one with another with a, with a great deal too. Here's the problem with this comment from Musics. He's the one guy they should keep and build around. Okay, so when is that team going to be ready to compete then if they, t- if they try to tear it down? At 28 years old. Yeah, but but at the time, so he's got three year left on his deal, twenty his age twenty seven season, twenty eight season, and twenty nine season. So if they decide to tear it down completely, by the time that they're ready to compete again, realistically, he's going to be a free agent. So yeah. it, it makes no sense to actually keep him. If you wanted to talk about Josh Morrissey, I mean that's another story, but he's older. And, yeah, he's 28. They're both yeah, 28. And, and he's got a lot of years left. He's got five years left at 6.25, which is a steal, especially if he can stays anywhere close to what he did this year. But, again, older, you, you might have to move these guys out. And, by the way, just to mention, I'm sorry, uh, Kyle Connor's 26. My mistake. That's Yeah, I said it was 26. Yeah, I, I I I said they were both twenty eight. I needed to make sure. Oh, I mean, okay. it's bad enough. Oh, I, I didn't call him like uh, John Connor or something like that. Oh, if you would have called him John Connor, I would have booted you from this. Come with me if you want to draft. Um. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Friday, the Vancouver Canucks bought out OEL Oliver Ekman Larson from his deal. OEL will rebound with a forty point season wherever he ends up, Mister Larocco. You know, I'm gonna go beer. I don't, I don't think he's as bad as he's been the last year and a half, two years. Um, you know, sometimes you just go to a place, and you know, for whatever reason, it it doesn't work out. Um, you know, he's not a spring chicken anymore, but I think maybe um, in a new new scenery where he doesn't have that huge contract and maybe not as much pressure on him, and he can get back to just kind of playing hockey without any other distractions. I think that, you know, he can reach that level again. Um, you know, I know Boston at the time was really interested in him before he got traded. It was one of the destinations he'd said he'd go to. So I wonder um, if, had, if he would have interest in going there and if the Bruins still kind of reciprocate that interest on their end. Um, but he's just got a lot of tools in his toolbox. Again, I, I just can't imagine him being this bad um, for the rest of his career. So we'll, we'll see. But um I think I'm going to stick with a beer on this one. Phil. He was 31 this year. Um, He'll be 32 in about a month. I, you know what? Like I'm, I'm leaning towards shot, but I can't say shot for sure. So I've got to go with beer. Um, it, it, it's just 
it depends on where he goes. I mean, the, the power play numbers, um, I mean, he really wasn't a part of Vancouver's power play because Quinn Hughes was the guy running it. And you're not uh, – and, and no offense to Oliver Ekman Larson, but Quinn Hughes is a far and away better offensive defense. And he's one of – you would say probably the five to ten best offensive defense. <laughs> one of the five to ten best puck movers. Bless you. So – you're not I was gonna say exactly Larson's gonna not get those power play minutes over Quinn Hughes. So, but I mean, and here's another comment: he, uh, not happening unless he's given big minutes. He played 20 minutes a game in Vancouver. Uh, if he got the power play time, he probably would have played even more. So, I, I do think that um, I, I do think it's possible, but I'm not entirely sure. I'm going beer. Yeah, I'm I'm actually leaning towards shot on this one, guys. It's not that I don't think Oliver Ekman Larson is a good player. I do. Uh, but his last 40 point season was 2018, 2019. He was 27 years old. Uh, then he played 66 games, 46 games. But granted, that was a 56 game season, 79 and 54. I'm not sure if it's in his body anymore, but I think wherever he ends up, he'll be a good uh, like contributor. It's just I'm not sure if he's going to end up anywhere where he's going to get number one power play points. It's just I don't think it's going to be all that feasible. Speaking of guys who need to kind of get back to their better production, John Klingberg, last year, 10 goals, 23 assists, the 33 points. That was both with Minnesota and uh, Anaheim. Philk, John Klingberg will return to form next season. Depending on where he goes, that's really the thing for me. Where where does he go? Um, I, I still think he's a guy who could score 40 to 50 points. He's still a guy who can run a power play. He's still got a really good shot. It's actually better defensively than people will ever give credit for. I'm not saying he's a selkie caliber guy, but he's kind of got this reputation as being a, a liability defensively, and I, I don't see that at all from him. Uh, he surprisingly is more physical than you would think too. And he throws around the body at times where you don't expect it. So I, I think he's going to return to form. Um, I'm like this close to saying round, but it, it depends on where he goes. Cause it, it, I mean, if he decides to take the money and go to a team that's not far along yet, then maybe the numbers don't come there. You know, don't come offensively. But I, I, I do think that he's going to play much better hockey this year. Anthony. Another fellow Swede uh, like Larson looking to rebound. Uh, this one I'm going to go round on. We're going to go round. Um, you know, Thank you. I made the mistake, so you didn't he, make me a liar. Last last offseason, you know, he changed agents, um, I believe, like, you know, midway through free agency. Uh, he waited too long, and then he kind of bet on himself with Anaheim with a one-year deal. Didn't work out. Uh, but once he got traded in Minnesota, he had nine points in 17 games, which, you know, isn't bad. Um, I, th- I think he's – I think he has all – he has all the skill necessary to get back to the level he was at. I mean, like John said, this is a guy that can score 50 points from the back end. Um, you know, he's a big rangy guy. He moves the puck well. He's got speed. Um, I think this time he's going to sign a multi-year deal, not a one-year deal. Um, and I think he's going to better pick his spot. Uh, and sign and sign early, unlike last off season. So um, I'm expecting a, a big bounce back from Klingberg. So round for me. 
I'm, I got to go down to beer. I think a bounce back, I think he's going to be good. I'm not sure how great of a situation he's going to find because it's sort of like goaltenders. Like if you get a goalie that like takes, for instance, Tristan Jari is going to be a free agent. He wants to find someplace where they're going to give him five years. That ain't happening. Um, but that if he finds a good situation, let's say a winning team, that, that he goes to a playoff team. Let's say he stays in Minnesota. Is he the number one power play quarterback over there? Or is it um, – uh, I'm trying to think of other teams that could use him again. What if he went back to Dallas? But then he'd be uh, playing behind Mir Heiskanen. So, I mean, it, there's – I'm he's, trying to find he's, – he's the, he's the best He's the best right shot offensive defenseman on the market. Um, By yeah. far. You know, this offseason. So, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of suitors for him. I mean, behind him is probably Dumba um, uh, on the right side is the best defense available when it comes to, you know, puck movers. Um, so, yeah, I think Klingberg is going to be heavily sought after. So I don't think he's going to have an issue picking a good spot for himself, Mark. All right. Well, then I hope you guys are right about that because, I mean, I – I, I kind of thought he was going to be one of the big name free agents to sign. And then he just ended up on a one-year deal at Anaheim. It's sort of like a little bit of the Taylor Hall situation a few years ago, but Taylor Hall found a home with the Bruins. Here's one for you guys. Uh, I'm not even going to, this is another one I didn't have a lead in uh, for. I'm just going to outright say it. Philk, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Alex Debrinket will be dealt before the drafts. I want to say round. I, I just, I, I think those are going to be draft night deals. I, I, I have a feeling that it's either going to be the, the day of or that night. And I think that's what it comes down to. Cause I, I think the teams that are making these deals are going to, I think those teams both want to have the picks to be able to make the picks. And that's the thing you got to remember when, when making these deals like this, a lot of times, Teams want to be able to make those picks and take the guys that they want with those picks because the scouting staffs have convictions in those players. They're high on those players. Those players are on their board. Those are their guys. So uh, I I think these are probably draft night deals. I think they may even happen sometime during the draft. Who knows? But I'm going to say beer here. Anthony. You know, if this said before July first, I'd go easy with I would go with a round without any hesitation. Um, yeah, yeah, it can go both ways. They could they could both be dealt at the draft. You know, one of them could be traded the, the you know the day before the draft because usually there's heavy trade activity the day before the draft. Uh, um, so I'm gonna go beer. I think PLD is gonna go before the draft, but I think the Brinkett might be might be the night of. Um, or maybe even like, you know, the day, the day before free agency, I think, I think he's going to be traded, but I get the sense, no real, no real source on it. I just get the sense that PLD is closer to happening than the Brinkett. Um, but we'll see, but, uh, I don't know about that. that I don't know. Cause the, the, the word is, is that the Brinkett is already, the agent's already been, uh, given the team a list of, uh, a list of yeah, teams. He has. Dubois uh, has too, though. Dubois. Boaz and his agent have been working on finding him a spot. So, yeah. But, well, yeah, we'll, well see. I, I mean, I don't know. 
Mark? I can't help but just find this funny when teams are like, oh, hey, let me give you a list of teams you could trade me to. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't see any trade protection. Why are you handing me a list? <laughs> yeah, both That's just my thoughts on that one. They're just, they're just doing the right thing. They're doing the right thing by the player, and they're, you know, they're, they're um, maximizing trade value too. That's another thing. They're maximizing okay, trade but value. if the player if the player has no trade protection, then you should have negotiated it in the last contract. Because well, there are players that I can't believe that have contracts right now that are shocking me. Uh, I gotta I gotta go beer on this one, guys, too, because I I think one of them is gonna complicate matters. I have a feeling it's going to be PLD that's going to be the problem. Um, I'm getting tired of PLD already. It's been two years yeah. of talking about PLD. He's the new Jack Eichel. He's the new um, who was who else was just traded recently that I was tired of hearing about forever. But uh, Jacob Chikrin. Jacob Chikrin. Yeah, Jacob Chikrin. Thank you. I was about to say, how did you not remember yeah. that one? Because <laughs> because I was so happy that it was over. <laughs> so I just didn't care, but yeah, no, it's, um, I think PLD look, if they trade him and they manage to do it before the draft and manage to do it with the Montreal, I mean, you're not getting, I don't think you get Montreal's first round selection. So don't worry <laughs> about that. And, uh, I mean, I don't think there's any rush. If you're not getting their first round selection, try to go for their first rounder next year. That, that would just be my thought on that. But then again, Kirby doc was traded at the draft that for the 13th pick basically. And you never know what can happen next week. We are going to have draft coverage and probably, probably a stream. I, I, I don't know what the format is just yet. Everybody. All right. So here's another guy that I, I heard that he's being shopped. Travis Konechny is being shopped. By the way, we're about to do a, who says no, we're going to have more on these trades, potential trades, if you will, Travis Konechny's being shopped. So it would be a mistake if the Flyers would trade Travis Konechny. I got to buy around on this, guys. I'll start it off myself because this guy, this guy's a player. I mean, and he's still pretty young. I, I think I think the Flyers would be very foolish. I don't think you're getting a King's ransom for him, but still, I mean, he's, he's 26. He's signed for two more years at 5.5, and he just led them in scoring. This, he's, he's a good player. Anthony, what do you think? Travis Konechny? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go around. He's 26 years old, so, you know, he could still fit in with, you know, what they're looking to do long term. Um, and the guy has 31 goals, and he only played in 60 games. 31 goals in 60 games. Uh, career year for him. And for a team bereft um, of offense. Yeah. yeah I, I, he's, he's, a, he's a real good player. Um, and I just – I mean, I guess if, if you really kind of think about it, you can see why they're going to move him. Two years left on his deal. I mean, they feel like they have to pay him big money. Maybe they may not still ready – be ready to compete by then. I get that. Similar to how why the Blackhawks traded the Brinket um, last year, but I don't know. I just think the Flyers should hold on to this guy. I think he, you know, he's like I said, he's 26. He's still young, um, but I guess you know they're going to go full rebuild. You saw them trade Provorov. Uh, rumor has it that Kevin Hayes is being shopped. Um, so yeah. they're going to they might be tearing it down. So I get it, but I think I think you should keep him around, but. Uh, so yeah, I'll go round. I, I gotta, I'll put up the round graphic again, guys. But um, Phil, before I go over to you, I'm just shaking my head right now, thinking the Flyers are gonna tear it down this year, not not last year for Connor Bedard. But go ahead. <clears throat> I I don't 
I don't get it. I, I don't. But I, I'm only going to say beer here because, it, listen, Travis Konechny, to me, I think is like the closest thing that they've had to somebody like Bobby Clark. Like, to me, this guy is like the ultimate flyer-type player pest guy that, that you just hate playing against, but you would I, – I would kill – I would trade Artemi Panarin for him. I'm not even kidding you. A hot take there. I love it. I I would do it. I would do it because I think this is the type of player that you need on Mm -hmm. on this team. So um, Travis Konechny, I think, is an incredible player. Uh, Two 60-point seasons, and they're both around point-per-game seasons, just short the other one on 2020. But Konechny, I I get why – they're looking to do it now because they could get quite a haul back for him. You're saying you don't think they get a King's ransom. I disagree. I think they get quite a haul for this guy. I, I think 20, 20 years old, he's got an affordable contract at 5.5 for the next two years. So you got term with him. If you do it now, you do it at the draft. You can get the pick that you want. You can take the guy that you want as well. And not only that, but with the cap going up in a couple of years or so, and after next year, I should say maybe, I mean, you're going to be able to sign this guy and give him a, a pretty reasonable deal without having to kill your cap, depending on where he goes. So I, I, I do think that it's the right time to trade him, but I do understand the argument of keeping him and building around him because for me, I, I, I think he's captain material. So. Okay. And you know what? I, I By the way, you heard it here first. Philk would trade him for Artemi Panarin straight up, by the way? Um, maybe a little bit of an ad on their end. Tiny, tiny bit, if any. But, I mean, you you get a 26-year-old player that scored about a point per game last year, and you, you, get, you get, what, four or five years younger. You save cap space, and you get a guy that's going to come in, and he's going to play his ass off for you in the playoffs. This is a guy that's not going to have to buy into Peter Laviolette because this is a guy that Peter Laviolette wants. Yeah. That's the thing. No, he's already had him. Probably Scotty Hartnell was uh, cut from the same cloth. Konechny is a better version, a smaller but better version of Scott Hartnell. Much better. Um, Mark, Mark before before you move on to the next topic, I got, I got to ask you guys a question because obviously Panarin's not going to be traded. It's a little unrealistic. However, would you guys move Lafreniere – in a deal for Konechny? Yes. Yes. Uh, short answer is yes. Long answer is no. And the only reason why it's a long answer is they're going to have to throw in a little bit more. Um, yeah, they're going to have to throw in uh, a decent amount on top of Lafreniere to, to get Konechny. But, I mean, he plays both sides of the wing. And this team has lacked right-wing depth for – God knows how many seasons now, probably since 2019, since they still had both Zuccarello and Butchnevich. Mm. So you need right wing depth badly. You the get- only thing I'd be concerned about is the upside on Lafreniere, I still believe is there. I know we debate about it, Anthony, all the time, but I still think it's there. And if you're telling me that he ends up being better than Konechny on the Flyers, then uh, you're gonna regret it. I, I I hope it's not the case. I hope it's not the case. I, I I if they did trade him, I hope both teams would flourish from it. And like the Rangers ended up winning one cup out of it, and Lafreniere had a Hall of Fame career as a Flyer. 
I guess I wouldn't complain. But then again, I still complain a little bit about Tony Monty. Looking over to some of the big UFA names for next year, guys. Austin Matthews, Sebastian Ajo, Jake Gensel, and Ilya Sorokin will all sign long-term extensions after July 1st, but this summer with their teams. I turn to you, Mr. LaRocco. This is more good player. Next year's free agent class is, is pretty good, but I would say these four guys headline it. Um, and I, I try I tried to give a good one that would challenge Filk, make him think. This this one was for him. Um, but I don't know. I, I gotta I, I gotta believe because I've already heard some things on Aho. You know, he wants to stay. The Hurricanes like him, so I don't think Aho will be much of a negotiation. I think he'll stay. I think the Penguins recognize Gensel's one of their best players outside of their aging core. So I would imagine they're going to do anything to keep him. Um, you know, Ilya Sorokin, you know, I, I, he's given no reason why he would leave the island. Um, so I want to go round. The only thing that's keeping me from saying round is Austin Matthews. I, I think ultimately he stays in Toronto. I just don't know if he's going to sign July 1st or 2nd or the 3rd. I think he might be a Pasternak situation where he sees how, you know, he likes playing under a new GM, what the team does during the course of the year, um, and then re-signs. But I do think there's a good chance Ajo, Gensel, and Sorokin all extend sometime this summer. So I'll go beer. Phil. I'm going to say shot because of Matthews. I'm, I'm saying shot because of Matthews. Um, and I, I wonder about Gensel, too. Does Gensel stay around with this team knowing that they're going to go into a decline and his best bud probably only has a couple of years left? Because you got to remember, the deal that he signed, besides <laughs> a max deal with them, is eight years. How many years does Crosby have left? Three? Four? Mm-hmm. And that's provided that there are no other concussions and he's forced to retire early because the next one at his age could possibly end it. I mean, provided, I mean, we're not hoping for that, but you know, that if anybody, if we know the histories of guys like Pat LaFontaine and Eric Lindros and Mike Richter and, and the constant concussion battles that they had, they were all in their thirties when that last concussion basically spelled the end for them. So this and, is, and in Mike Richter's case, he only had one. Same thing with Michael Sauer. No, Mike Richter had two. All right, Mike Chris Tamer slap shot to the head. Oh yeah, and then the um and uh, the time more shot knee. Yeah. So and and you know he they were they were all in their thirties those guys when they had that last one that basically either ended their careers or made them shells of themselves. So uh, Matthews, I don't think is signing. Um, I have nothing to worry about with Aho and Sorokin. I think both those guys stay. It's Gensel for me that I worry about just because I, I would say that team declining could throw a wrench in things. I'm, I'm going to go beer too. And I think my guys that I'm worried about are, I'm not worried about Sebastian Aho. I think he stays. I think they end up showing out more money for him. I wouldn't be surprised if it's this year. I think Ilya Sorokin is going to be loyal to the Islanders. And I think, I don't think he's going to test the market. I think he likes it here. It's the great thing about Long Island is you may, as far as the Islanders, the way they used to be, 
you had to basically trade for a guy. They like it here and then they want to stay. I'm looking at Austin Matthews and Jake Gensel. Jake Gensel, I'm worried about how much money there's going to be for there. If you mean to tell me that they're going to go after Connor Hellebuck and they're going to have money left over for Jake Gensel and uh, and, uh, basically their bottom six because they have uh, four UFAs and two RFAs that need to be resigned, the Penguins do. Oh, and also Brian Dumoulin is another one. That's that's tall order, and uh, well, right now Kyle Dubas has got his work cut out for him. <laughs> Enjoy Pittsburgh, but it's um, I, I I gotta go beer on this. I I can't say it with the confidence, and also I don't know what's going on with Austin Matthews because one more year of failure, and how does he not say uh, screw this? I'm out of here, no matter how much you might like Toronto. Here's the question I have. That, uh, it's just something I thought about. We're talking about what you said before with uh, the Carolina will pay up with Ajo. Remember the reason why Sebastian Ajo has the deal that he has is because Tom Dundon didn't want to pay up. And then Montreal came along with an offer sheet. So Dundon lucked into a real good contract for Ajo by matching it. So Don Waddell that said, I thought I was going to have to spend all summer negotiating this contract. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, is, is Dundon actually going to pay up the money? That's what I want to know because Ajo's going to command over $10 million. He paid the money to keep up. keep alive that BS football league. So, I mean. Well, that's the thing. Did, did that drain some of his money? Interesting concept. Uh, I will have to look to see if uh, I can get that response out of our Carolina Hurricanes uh, enthusiast <laughs> and uh, source Pete's. All right, last guy. Now, you guys might have heard something about this. I heard a lot of different mock drafts that had Matt Faye Mitchkoff sliding down. And you look at the NHL, the NHL draft this year. You got the Blackhawks, the, the Ducks, the Blue Jackets, the Sharks, can, the Canadians, the Coyotes, the Flyers, and the Capitals. Those are your top eight. Philk, Matt Faye Mitchkoff will not get past the Coyotes at six. So for me... I think the top five players in this draft, if I had to look at them, were obviously Bedard, Fantilli, uh, Mitchkov, Will Smith, and Leo Carlson. And Leo Carlson and Will Smith can interchange. For me, it depends on what what you look for for those guys. I, I think they're going to be both incredible two-way centers, the two of them, Carlson and Smith. And I think – Either of those two could go at three or four. I think Mitch Koff could go at five. I I have serious doubts as to whether he falls past six. The question for me with this, this situation is how much of a gap in talent is there, and talent and ceiling, I should say, between Mitch Koff and the next prospect at – I don't know, seven or eight or six there. I mean, is David Reinbacher going to be enough for Arizona to say, we want to take a surefire defenseman that really projects as a top four and not necessarily a top pairing guy? Um, is Dalibor Dvorsky and the safe pick that he is with the talent and upside that he has? And he's got considerable. But is that enough? of 
uh, is the gap small enough to the point in talent and potential between those two to where a team would pass up Mitchkov? I, I mean, I I don't think so. I I, I think Mitchkov is a generational goal scorer in the making. And I just think teams would be stupid to pass up on this guy because of some flight risk that he supposedly is. And let's just say he takes a bit to get over, like Kapril Kaprizov did. Kapril Kaprizov, rather. Um, Is it really worth passing up on him to take another player instead of, you know, taking the guy that could be a guy that could score maybe 500, 600 goals in his career. I, I To me, I doubt it. I doubt it. I, I, I think if you take him and if you find that it's becoming a problem, I think you deal him at that point in a, in a package for a better player. I, I just think it's like Quebec with Lindros in 91. I, I think you have to take the guy and you have to deal with the headache if the headache comes at a certain point in time and then deal with him. Anthony, what do you think? Mitchkov, does he get past the Coyotes at six? No, he doesn't get past the Coyotes at six. So, yeah, no. sorry. I didn't even say that that's a shot for me. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I so it's a round, round, not... round, rather. Yeah. Right. All right, so it's a round. round. Yeah. yeah. All right, we'll do another one because I always like this graphic. Um, Go ahead. I know. I said round. It's, oh, it's okay. Not... That was it? <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to go. I think he's going to go mm, three or four. All right. Uh, if he makes it all the way down to six, the Coyotes massively got away with a great deal. And this could be a that draft pick that ends up saving hockey in Arizona when he eventually gets there. Cause I think they're still going to negotiate deals to keep him alive for the next few years. At least that's just what I personally think, because I, I'm going to go round on this one as well, because you got Logan Cooley. He was already, uh, I think he's committed to going back to school again next year and uh they got they're still a couple years away a guy that really by the way wants to know the direction of coyotes is clinton keller because he might want to see what's going on with them before he even starts to ask out or anything um but as far as mitchkov goes this if the if it gets the coyotes it's a home run because you could stash it for two years and then see you soon he gets over and then just plays in a low-pressure area and just dominates. I mean, you saw him very briefly at the World Juniors two years ago look real good. So I, I would love to see more on that. This is actually a really good comment right here. The the, the, the Coyotes have enough draft capital to take a risk like this, and I, I do agree with that. Absolutely <laughs> agree with it. Yeah. the type Coyotes, he, he said it in the next one. So <laughs> Damn, autocorrect. But, guys, that's the end of Big Apple Hockey's Bar Talk. We were engaging our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink. Sponsored to you by Drizzly. And, uh, you know, uh, we got a lot more coming at you right now. We got a great segment of Who Says No with a bunch of trades. Could go down by draft day. Let's see about that one. And uh, let's just hide that banner and let's bring it up. Uh, It's a no for me, dog. No. No. Mm, no. No. <laughs> and welcome back, everybody, because we're doing Who Says No, where we have a bunch of mock trades. And by the way, this segment is brought to you by Pure Hockey. 
Great hockey, low prices, great selection. I love going to Pure Hockey. I always feel like I'm Randall walking into uh, TS Video in Clerks, just going, oh, Big Choice Video. That's what it was. He worked at uh, the TS Video. So Big Apple Hockey is Who Says No, where we have a bunch of mock trades, and we're going to tell you which team is going to say no to this. And we'll start Mr. Morocco with Mark, Mark, or maybe nobody says no, and it's a deal. That's another option, too. Yeah. That's another option. Maybe nobody says no at all. Anthony, let's start with you on the first one. Pierre-Luc Dubois goes to the L.A. Kings and then going back to Winnipeg. Gabriel Velarde, Blake Lazat, Eric Portolo, and a first-round draft pick for next year. Who says no? So L.A. doesn't have a first this year. So if they get Pierre-Luc Dubois, which, by the way, L.A. seems to be the front-runner for him. Um, and Winnipeg insists on a first. It's got to be a 2024. Um, being that they're going to possibly be trading Connor Hellebuck, Eric Portillo, standout goalie from Michigan, uh, is in the deal to get a more goaltending depth. Um, and then you have Gabriel Velarde, who is really the, the key cog in this piece. And then Blake Lazat, you know, he's a good third-line, fourth-line center, 11 goals last season, speedy, um, does all the right things on the ice. Um, you know, this right here, I am actually going to say is a deal. I think Winnipeg gets enough assets where they're comfortable moving a guy they know they aren't able to retain, um, you know, and the Kings get a guy that they've, that they coveted. They remember it's been reported. They wanted him when he first X out of Columbus. Um, however, they lost out there. Uh, so I think they get their guy this time. Um, I don't think, I think Winnipeg is delusional if they think they're getting a, Quinton Byfield or anyone of that ilk. Um, but I, I think Gabriel Velarde is is a good key piece to get back into a good young player had a hell of a year last year. Um, I think this deal gets consummated. <laughs> I love the I love the choice of the word consummated. Philk, which one do you think says no? And by the way, my um my apologies, Eric Portillo. Yeah, you got the pronunciation right the second time. I'll give you credit there. I um, put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Emphasis on the syllable? Velarde <laughs> <laughs> uh, did have a really good year this year. I mean, he's really kind of established himself as that pick. And I remember, I just remember the Rangers were looking at supposedly drafting him with that pick that they took Leah Anderson with. And now in hindsight, my God, oh. Gabriel Velarde. They'd be so much better off. Um, but wow. Um, I think Winnipeg might say no. And I think there's just a little too much in here. I think if you would have said Velarde, Lazat, and the first, I think maybe that goes through. I, I, I do wonder, though, if. Winnipeg would be willing to give up on Velarde when Velarde um, is just kind of finally breaking out. He's got similar size to Dubois. They're about the same size, 6'3", 210, 215 in that range. I think Dubois might be a little more. I think he may be 220. But I, I think Velarde is here, and I, I think the cap is key for L.A., I mean, that that to me is really why I think L.A. might kind of say no to this. 
you would wonder if they would move Byfield over him just because Byfield has had some injuries and the development hasn't gone as well. Um, I think if you replaced Velarde with Turcotte, I think that deal goes through. I think you may have to give up another player that's a little better than Lazat for that. But I think if you change that around, I think that deal goes through. Yeah, I, I I agree. The thing with Turcotte is though, I feel like he's bordering, he's borderline coming to that that time period where he might have to start worrying if he's a bust or not because he was highly regarded and he hasn't done anything yet. So yeah, I, I wonder about his yeah. value. I, I wonder about his value. Yeah, uh, I, I do agree with you there. I mean, that is a really good point. I, I just I, I I don't know if LA is really willing to give up a Velarde at this point right now because I mean so. So for me, the only thing that I, I think of there is can Dubois be that eventual first-line center to replace Andre Kopitar? That's that's what they're going to have to worry about because Kopitar, I mean, he's nearing the end of his career. Great two-way player. Um, a Hall of Famer in my book, surefire. I, first ballot for me. But um, L.A., definitely could use a first-line center to replace Kopitar. Dubois was only drafted one year before Velarde. you got to remember that. So there's mm-hmm. not much of an age gap between the two. And that that's the other thing to think about there. So I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I'm still leaning Winnipeg no. But it, it, mean, that, LA is going to say no. Good deal, though. I, that is something that I had to think about. So good job on you, uh, Anthony. Uh, i got to agree with you on that one, Anthony. I think um... – I think this could go through. The question to me is, does LA start to feel cap restrictions? If if the cap restrictions come into play, I think Velarde is the better way to go. But that being said, you got one more year of PLD. He, you know he wants to sign up to nearly $9 million. That's what he's seeking right now. LA has got one more year of Kopitar at $10 million and one more year of Victor Arvidsson at 4.25. So they can conceivably sign him and move him in, and they're loaded with prospects. They can get a lot younger. You know, this deal could go through. If anybody says no, it's going to be L.A. saying no to that. Um, But I think it could go. And a lot of people have uh, PLD going there. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry. I meant L.A. saying no, not not Winnipeg. You actually went back and forth a couple times. Yeah, but I, I meant to say L.A. saying no. Uh, the side that was giving up all the assets, sorry. All good. Well, here's one for you. Alex Dabrinkit to the Detroit Red Wings, to the Ottawa Senators, the Islanders draft pick that Detroit acquired. Philip Zadina and Elmer Soderblom. Philk, who says no? Ottawa. I mean, I'm sorry, Detroit. Detroit. Uh, I keep reading sides. And um, uh, yeah, that's my fault. Oh, it's um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say um, Detroit though because I I, I think the Brinkett's gonna go less for less than that. Uh, he did go for less than that this past year. I, I don't see him having that same value. Um, I, not that I think very highly of Philip Zadina anymore. I, I think we're getting to the point where Philip Zadina is looking more like a bust. Um. I, I just I, – I don't see it with him. And I was very high on him. I thought he was going to be the best goal scorer to come out of that 2018 draft. He, he just has not been that good. 
He really hasn't. The numbers just aren't there. The the signs of progress aren't there. Um, I mean, after 2022 season, he had 10 goals and 24 points, 74 games. And and, and you thought in 2020, uh, you know, he, he looked good. Like he was like on the rise. It just never happened for Zadina. Soderblom is the guy that I think Detroit is going to want to hate to give up. With the size, speed, and talent that he has, that's not somebody that they want to give up at all. Um, I, I I don't see it, and I, I just have a very, very hard time believing that Detroit's going to want to give a guy like that up. I mean, I know the, the points weren't, like, there with him, but I, I just I, – I think that there's a lot um, of potential with him only 21 years old. I know he had only eight points in 21 games. I know it's not mind-blowing, but if you actually watch the kid play, there's a lot of potential in this kid, and it's a six-round pick. So I, I, I'm going to say I'm going to say Detroit says no to this. Uh, I'm going to jump in and say Detroit says no as well. I look at, I look at the deal. Uh, yeah, you get the first-round pick, which it's the Islanders' one that's – uh, this year's selection. So uh, you're looking at, I think it's 17. Maybe it's, uh, it might be 18. I forgot. I, I, I got to look up which one it is. Okay. So we got that. Now looking over it at the rest of the deal. Yeah. Zadina really isn't wowing me as far as like a trade piece goes. And yeah, you could also argue this is more of a cap dump uh, or, or just, just a dump is in like, we got to get something for Alex to bring it. So we'll get this guy. Maybe it changes scenery helps. Sort of Blom is the guy that I'm looking at and going, nope. Uh, I don't think I'm parting with him. Uh, it's just 6'8", oh, yeah. well, let me see, 6'8", 246, yikes. That is a big boy. And if he reaches half his potential, he can make Johan Franzen look like a mite compared to him. Uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to pass on that guy, the, Anthony. The mule turns into the mite? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to, uh, uh, for conversation's sake too, but I'm going to go against the green here. I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say this is a deal. I, I think Detroit realizes that Zadina is not what they thought he was going to be. Um, I think the, t- the clock is ticking here. Um, the Islanders first, you know, it's not a, it's not a really, it's not a really great pick. So you're down to, Soderblom, he was a six-round pick. Yes, he has size, and for his size, he does have some good speed. But um, I think Detroit is ready to take the next step. Alex DeBrinket, oddly enough, some people might be scratching their head and be like, why is DeBrinket going to Detroit? He's actually on their short list of teams that he would go to, and it's because he's from Michigan. Um, So I think Steve Eisman would kind of be welcome the fact that this guy wants to play for the organization, and he's a really good player. He's young. He fits in with the core, what they're trying to do long-term. And again, when you look at what Zadina's is kind of his trajectory is, and the, being the pick being not that great, you compare it to Brinkett, Soderblom, and you go with Brinkett every day of the week just because he's a proven forty goal scorer and has got more skill. So um, I think this is a deal. All right, we're moving on to another guy that we mentioned in the beer in the bar talk segment, which is the beer talk. Jesus, uh, the bar talk segment. And Anthony, by the way, is still having. Uh, a land shark right now? <laughs> no, I haven't. Not yet. Maybe <laughs> another one. We'll see. 
going back to one of the guys we mentioned before, Connor Hellebuck going to the New Jersey Devils, and it would be for the either the rights because right now two of the guys are RFAs, yeah. the rights to Sarangovich and Michael McLeod and Akira Schmid and a first round pick next year. Anthony, who says no on this pick on this trade? I think the Devils, as much as they're interested in Hellebuck, I think they say no. Um, it's not because they don't want to give up Sharon Govich, which I think, you know, they realize with having to pay Meyer probably $8.5 million um, and maybe do some other things. I don't know if he's in their plans going forward, but I think it's the fact that Hellebuck is commanding right now, apparently to ask is a Vasilevsky uh, price tag from him, which is like $9.5 million. Um, and I think the Devils are having some pause with that. So when you when you think about what you have to pay him um, combined with what you'd be giving up right here um, and the fact that they just saw a team win the Stanley Cup with Aiden Hill, it might give him some pause. Um, that's not to say the trade's not going to happen. Hellebuck may very well become a Devil, um, you know, but I think from just from my viewpoint, when you consider what you might have to pay him and what you're giving up here, I mean, Michael McLeod's okay, Akira Schmid. You know, I don't know if he's going to be a legitimate starter going forward. I do think, though, the Jets may want a goalie in return, so that's why he's in this deal. Um, so I, I think the Devils say no, but I think there is a very good possibility that Connor Hellebuck still ends up on the Devils. Philk, your face was reminiscent of Winona Ryder when I think they won some award, <laughs> and she was all confused on that one. Please go into who you think says no on this. New Jersey would take this and run to the friggin' bank laughing if they gave up that little for Connor friggin' Hellebuck. Sharon Govich, okay, well, he had 20 goal season. Nice little player, middle six guy. Okay. Michael McLeod is a fourth liner. He's a fourth liner. And Akira Schmid, what? Because he had what? A, a, a five or six game sample size run where he was okay in the playoffs where he was barely tested by the New York Rangers and then shelled by the Carolina Hurricanes. Give me a break. The only thing that's worth real value in this deal is a first round pick. What, what is Winnipeg getting out of this? What is Winnipeg getting out of this? A middle six forward and a first round pick. And a first round pick next year. Yeah. It's a first round pick next year. It's not even this year's draft. It's not even because they gave up that they're, they're picked in yep. here for Timo Meyer. Mm-hmm. So no, this is this, Winnipeg says no. They hang up the phone laughing and then they block Fitzgerald's number because Fitzgerald <laughs> is treating them like they're ass clowns. You know, honestly, uh, I I know uh, Steve Alquette likes I to think put, Anthony put this one together to get a reaction like that out of it. <laughs> I know because it's gonna be. Uh, I most of the time guys will quote rounders. I'll I'll bring out the the Malkovich for this one. Fine, fine, fucking joke. Anyway, uh, we 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 trade for your star goalie with two RFAs. Uh, that's what it feels like. It's like you got Sharon Govich. Yeah, if I'm the Jets, I need Mercer in that deal. I need good Mercer luck. You couldn't get him for Timo Meyer. Yeah, well, team this, the Sharks were in a different position. I, I don't th- I don't think they're getting Dawson Mercer out of that. And I, 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 I need I need a prospect worth a damn in this deal. There is yeah. no prospect worth a damn in this deal. You know what? I, well, I, it was a little bit of both to mess with Philk and also the fact that I thought about it like the devil. Realistically, as good as 
Telebook is he's third. What he's thirty going on thirty one. I don't. There's no. Let's just take this right off the right off the table. They're not getting Luke Hughes. They're not getting Nemec. Um, you know, obviously, can they get Alexander Holtz? That, so that was the guy I was I was debating about putting in because I don't think they're getting Dawson Mercer either for a goalie Hellebuck's age and asking for the amount of money. I, I don't think they're getting Dawson oh. Mercer, but if if I'm them, I, I'm I'm starting with that asking price and working my way down. This is terrible. <laughs> Holtz was the guy I, I I almost put in the deal, but I I, I mean I guess um, the Devils probably don't want to trade him, but they might have to at the end of the day. If they want Hellebuck, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna have to figure out some way to make them say yes. Never mind who says no. It's just dog shit for for, uh, Winnipeg. Absolute dog shit. Now, I will say this: they might circle back and amend to this deal because I don't know what they're getting out of Pittsburgh, and I'm trying to think of all the landing places. That Hellbuck okay. can go to. You're, you're, you're going to tell me that somebody can't realistically beat that deal? I definitely think Buffalo could, but I, I think, think Buffalo's... there are multiple teams that could beat that. Deal. Sure. Yep. Who do you think is a play is a good landing spot for Hellbuck? Because I haven't I haven't thought about it yet, but honestly, there's been there's the there's the there's the smoke with the Devils. There's there's, there's mutual interest. The Devils have been apparently Pierre LeBrun have been talking to Winnipeg. I think it's the Devils. I mean, aside from them, Pittsburgh would you could use them. Um, Buffalo, I'm not sure about because of Devin Levi. Uh, I yeah, think, I think I, I think, don't think they're in on that. I think Levi played well enough at the end of last season to a point where it makes no sense to trade for him right now. If anything, they go and they get maybe a veteran backup that can come in and spell Levi for games and kind of ease him into an NHL schedule. And then looking at it, you have. Um... I mean, I'm, tr- I'm trying to go around the league just thinking different places that he might land that is going to be beneficial. I mean, because there's going to be another goalie that we're going to talk about in a moment who also could be on the move, but um, or at least hypothetically in our heads. Let's go to back to Winnipeg because, after all, they're tearing down everything in Winnipeg. <laughs> um, Mark Shifley to the Boston Bruins, Trent Frederick, Fabian Lizell, Matt Grizzlick, and a 2023 third round pick for Mark Shifley. Uh, I think, uh, oh, Anthony, this is yours, I think. Who, oh, no, sorry, it's Philk. Philk, who says no? Um, no, I, I didn't make any of these. This is all Anthony, but um, I, I'm going to say Winnipeg probably, or actually, Boston, I think, says no. I, I think Frederick is a player that they really like. He's a bottom six guy, sure, but he he's the type of you know heart and soul type guy that every team needs and wants. I think Lysel is going to be a really good player. Um, Grizzlick is still an NHL level defenseman. I would say he's maybe a four five, and third. I, I think Shifley only has one year left on his deal. Yes. I think. Yep. Yeah, I, I think it's a lot for Mark Shifley. Um, some team will pay up, but I just don't think it's Boston. And I don't think they can afford to gut their depth to go get Mark Shifley right now at this point, especially with Bergeron and Krejci um, not being, you know, definites right now. Um, yeah, you've got good pieces in Marshan and, and Pasternak and Hall on the wings. 
but I mean, Zaka too, I guess. But I mean, I I don't I I don't see Boston doing this. Anthony, what do you think? Who says no? Well, first let me say with with Bergeron and and Krejci, probably I would say not returning. Boston can use Shifley like a hole in the head uh, at center ice position. Um, they could the use him like a hole left. in the head. I think yes. <laughs> I think you. I think you. I it's like I a glove. Flip that one around, bud. <laughs> that extent, um, you definitely did not word that one correctly. <laughs> well, not, nonetheless, the point is that the Bruins could really use Mark Shifley up the middle with what they're going to be facing with Bergeron yeah. and Crosby likely leaving. Um, however, Boston is very barren on picks. When I when I put this together on cap friendly, they do not have they don't have many firsts or seconds the next couple of years. Um, and I, for that reason, I actually think Winnipeg says no because I think if they trade, if they trade a guy like Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck, um, they're going to want first round picks in return to help them eventually retool by adding, you know, young talent. So I think Winnipeg is going to want at least a first round pick, whether it be not even this year, but whether it be next year. The fact is, they can't get that from the Bruins unless it was 2025 because that's the next time the Bruins have a first is 2025. So I'm I'm going to say. I'm going to say Winnipeg says no, but I'll tell you, though, Mark Shifley is exactly what the doctor ordered for Boston. Out of the first four rounds of the draft through 2025, so next week through 2025, the Bruins have a third and a fourth this year, a fourth rounder next year, a first round in 2025, and a third rounder in 2025. That's five draft picks. Out of the first four rounds of the next three drafts, yikes! Uh, I don't think they could afford to make this pick. I don't think they could afford to, to even make this trade. I think the Bruins have to say no. So this is one of those where, because the Bruins could use him like a hole in the head. I guess I don't know. <laughs> but, but no, I mean they could they could really they, oh, they could use the park. It's great. Yeah, they could they could use Mark Shifley, but I I don't I don't think Boston can afford to give up yet another draft pick. Oh my goodness, uh, that's I'm looking at that. I'm scared for Boston still. I mean, I, I I still reserve my reservations, guys. Here's another one we mentioned him in the bar talk segment. Travis Connecty going to the Edmonton Oilers. Men, what a pickup that would be. He'd be going for. Kyle Yamamoto, Dylan Holloway, and Philip Broberg, which I can never, ever see that name and not think Broberg. And um, for a 2024 second-round pick, Anthony, who says no to this one? Um, so, Kyle Yamamoto has been, has been on many lists of potential buyouts. Um, I think the, the Oilers want to buy him out. Um, so, I don't know. Like for them, this is probably like just essentially dumping him. Um, it's going to the Holloway Broberg 2024 second. Um, Holloway's probably the Oilers, one of their their better younger prospects, uh, along Philip Broberg, too. He was um, a high draft pick. Um, but I don't know. I, I think I think this deal can be tinkered with to where it will go through because I think Konechny would fit the Oilers very well, and the Flyers are a rebuilding team. Um, I just don't know if 
the Oilers want to give up a guy like Broberg because defense is an area where they need to improve on. Even though he's not really known to be a defensive defenseman, they probably want to hold on to guys like him. So uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say the Flyers say no, but I think it's one of those things where talks progress, they tinker with it, and they can come to the right deal. But it's not terribly far off. Bill, what do you think? Both teams say no. This is one of those deals where just what is either team gaining in this? I mean, uh, I, actually, I, I would lean a little more towards Edmonton saying no, but uh, I mean, I'm going to say Edmonton says no, be, uh, or Edmonton say, is saying yes, rather. But uh, I can see Edmonton saying no because they don't want to deal Holloway, who's probably their best forward prospect at this point, and they don't want to deal Broberg because they're they're not – deep on defense and I think Broberg there's some serious potential there he's got size and skating ability I think he's going to be a good puck mover I, I think there's no reason for them to move Philadelphia why are they going to want something that's headlined by a guy that Edmonton wants to get rid of and they need like a hole in the head <laughs> yes yes that's the expression I mean, and the dogs even know it too yeah, the dogs know it too. So a, a, a 20 goal, 40 point season for Yamamoto in 2022. And then what does he respond with? What, 10 goals and I think 25 points this year? Yeah. Albeit short, less games, but just, and he was a no show in the playoffs. He was an embarrassment in the playoffs. I, I get it. He's small, but at that size, you've got to play with some heart. And that guy just shows no heart, no, no no real inclination to play any such sort of defense. I, I, I'm I'm just not I'm not a fan of Yamamoto. Not a fan of him at all. Um, <laughs> Philadelphia, I, I honestly think that if, if Cliff Fletcher may have accepted this deal, but <laughs> I, I, I don't think any other general manager accepts this deal. So no, this is a um. I'm going to go with Philly says no. Uh, I'm I'm not seeing the wow factor out of Yamamoto, even though, as Anthony did allude to, that he's uh, on a lot of buyout uh, lists. Why are they going to buy him out? He's only making $3.1 million in his RFA. You can't find a trade partner? Sorry, what, Phil? They just want to find – they just want to get rid of him at at, at any (laughs) possible way they want to get rid of him. Find a team that will take him on for like a – fifth round pick or whatever giving it away i mean it's not that hard i also can't help but say this guys you're gonna have uh all three more years left of mcdavid and dry and all they're gonna have to show for it is three mvps two by mcdavid and one by dry over that time that's amazing and they i don't think they're making a stanley cup final with those two but that's just me I, and i don't know how to fix it so we'll find out about that all right, to the Pittsburgh Penguins, John Gibson, and going back to the Anaheim Ducks, Ryan Poling, Owen Pickering, and Joel Bloomquist, and a 2023 first overall pick. Sorry, first round pick. Phil, who says no? I, I think Anaheim says no. I, Ryan Poling is really nothing special. I mean, he was a top prospect at one time. He was never like a like a blue chip level, but he was one of Montreal's top level prospects. Um, 
you spelled Womp was wrong. So. Oh, how is it supposed to be spelled? E L O M. Yeah, that's B L O M. B L O M, not B O L M. Oh, Blomquist. All right. Yeah. So, Got it. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm not I'm not buying that deal at that point. Pickering, twenty twenty three first, okay. But Brian Paling, that that's that's just that's quantity. It's quantity, nothing more. It's a body for me at this point. I, I don't I don't see what he offers otherwise. Um, I don't. I just don't think there's enough for them to really move Gibson here. Wow, I'm looking at Anaheim's cap right now, and I mean, uh, you know what, Anthony, I'm gonna jump ahead of you. I'm sorry. I think Anaheim says no. I think I think they can find a better deal than this. But I'll go ahead to you. I think they could too. So I think right here for Anaheim, it's the 2023 first um, and Pickering. Pickering was a first round pick last year or two years ago. Um, you know, he, he might end up being a pretty solid defenseman um, for the Ducks. You know, they're they're a team that is obviously has a real hot pick this year. They're going to add Adam Fantilli. Um, I think for them, it's about getting younger, acquiring younger assets. And when you look at the teams that need goaltending, um, you know, Pittsburgh obviously is one that needs one. I mean, yeah, could they get more? They might. But in a vacuum, I think adding, adding a guy who was a first-round pick uh, recently and then on top, getting a 2023 first this year. Because um, how many picks would that make for Anaheim in the first round this year if they acquire another one? They have, they have, one, they have two picks in the first round right now, Anaheim, or is this one? Uh, I think it's two for them. So yeah, you, I actually got go, them right now. They have one in the first round pick yeah, this year. One? They got okay. three second rounders. Ah, oh, that's it. Okay, right. sorry. That's what. Okay. Um, you know, I, I I think this might be a deal. I'll see it. I mean. Uh, I I called Ryan Paling Ryan Poling, so <laughs> <laughs> that basically says says what I know about him. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see if that is a deal. Well, you know, I usually have these at the first at the beginning of the segment, but we're going to do it at the end anyway. We're going to go to the Islanders. Brett Pesci will go to the New York Islanders. They'll send Carolina their first round pick next year. Oliver Wallstrom and Robin Salo. I turn to you, my resident Islander guy. Anthony, who says so, no? Brett Pesci has been in the rumor mill as the Hurricanes prefer to re-sign him, but um, if they can't, they're prepared to move him. Now, Brett Pesci is a, a very good defensive defenseman, um, similar to Adam Pellick in the sense he doesn't put up a lot of points, but it's very solid defensively. Um, so I don't think Brett Pesci is going to return real high-end assets if Carolina can't move him. Um, I think getting a guy in Oliver Wallstrom who still has some upside um, – Robin Salo is, you know, jury's still out on him. And then you have a first. I, I mean, I don't know how much more they could get for a guy like Pesci who doesn't put up a lot of points. Um, but at the end of the day, honestly, I'm going to say the Islanders don't do this deal because they've traded way too many firsts recently. They need to start re restocking their, their prospect pool because <laughs> it's bare outside of Dufour and, you know, Maggio, who had a great year in the OHL last year. But um, they need to start stockpiling picks and stop trading first-round picks. 
Um, but Pesci, though, man, he would fit like a glove on the right-hand side behind Ryan Pollock. I just, I, I just don't see Lou having the appetite to add first-round picks, keep dealing them. I wish anybody listening on audio could have seen Philk's reaction. If you can, make sure you go to our YouTube channel. Because Phil, go ahead. You kidding me? You can't. You don't tell me you're going full Homer mode here, dude. Not being Homer. It's me. Serious with that? You can't. You're gonna tell me that the Islanders would pass on Brett Pesci because of Oliver Wallstrom, Robin Sallow, and a low first. No, it's because they need they need to stop trading first round picks for their future going forward. You can't keep doing it and having long term success. You need you need to start restocking the prospect pool and run, run. Wallstrom is pretty much a bust at this point, provided that there's some unexpected spike in his development. He hasn't done anything. He's got a major surgery that he's recovering from. May never be the same player. Robin Sala, okay, nice. Maybe turns into a a, a third pairing puck mover guy that could put up, I don't know, double digit points. Maybe at his very best. And this is this is optimistic. Does he, maybe he turns into a 20, 30 point defenseman, and that's at his very best at this point, barring some unexpected spike in development. Brett Pesci is a legitimate top four defenseman, probably a number three on most teams, and even teams that would have cup aspirations, he's probably a number three on. Maybe a number two on some teams that don't have the depth and need a, like a steady top-pairing minutes eater that plays real good defense, kind of like an Adam Pellick, like you said. But Pesci is – I would – I tell you right now, Carolina, Don Waddell, I don't think, is even stupid enough to make this deal. That's saying a lot. That's terrible for Carolina. Terrible. Carolina absolutely says no, and I'd be shocked if they didn't get a better offer than this. How much How much of a return do you think a guy like Brett Pesci can, can return for a guy who doesn't put up a lot of points? Like when, when was the last time you've seen a defensive a defensive defenseman return a, like Do you a monster? Really want to go run? there because you should know the answer already without even finishing the the question that you're about to ask. Who am I? Come who, who? Come on, think about it. Who you know it? It's at the top of your tongue. Uh, Seth Jones is an offensive guy, so he's not him. Adam Larson um, went for Taylor Hall. Oh, Adam Larson doesn't tell you what the general managers think. A defenseman like this? Well, okay, so would you trade Adam Pellick for that? No. Exactly. End of story. End of story. We don't need to discuss this any further. You wouldn't trade a guy like Adam Pellick for that. So why would Carolina trade Brett Pesci for the Jack Johnson flaming bag of dog shit special? Sorry, but that's um, what it is. Oh, I mean, I think Oliver Wallstrom, you're, I know he's coming off an ACL injury, but this is a guy who had 12 goals in 44 games. It's for his rookie season, 12 goals in 44 games. What have we done and then, since? And then the year after that, he had, thir- he had 13 goals, which is, you know, respectable for a second-year player. 
And then last year, obviously, the jury is out. He got, you know, he got hurt. Um, what do you think Oliver Wallstrom is legitimately going for? He had 16 points in 35 games last no, 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 year. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. What do you think Oliver Wallstrom would legitimately go for if he was dealt? Are you talking like one for one deal? Are you talking about in a like one, what do you yeah, one for one deal? What would a, what would he one, go for if he was dealt by himself? In a one for one deal, I think he would go for maybe a, a, a similar aged player who also hasn't exactly broken exactly. out yet. Or, so this or is not out. a guy that doesn't have a great rapport right now. He doesn't, he simply does not. Robin Sallow. He's been okay at the NHL level. There's been some warts with him. There may be some potential. Okay. The first is a late first. It's a late first. Where where, where is the value for a guy like Brett Pesci? I, I would absolutely I would be shocked if they did not get something better for Brett Pesci. I would I would be shocked. I, I think I'm gonna shocked. answer what both of you guys are saying. I think they both say no. I think first, I think Lou, Lou would definitely love Brett Pesci. Uh, Lou would embrace him wholeheartedly. The only reason why the Islanders would say no is because Lou would be hesitant to give up any further assets than what he's given up because he doesn't like to make big deals. Right. And this would be a big okay. deal. I think he already took the swing at adding in a somewhat developed but young defenseman. I mean, Brett Pesci is uh, 28 years old right now, but. Uh, I think he already took that swing with Romanov giving up a first round pick last year. That was a bad deal. Sorry. But this year, uh, I don't think he's making that deal. And I don't, I think I got to agree with Anthony. They got to start restocking the cupboard. At some point you have to restock. That the much cupboard. I agree with, but th- this is not value for Pesci. Yeah. Well, here's one more for you. Victor Olison, Jack Quinn, a conditional first round pick. And a oh, 2023 banner. second round pick. Banner. banner. Going to the New York Rangers for Alexei Lafreniere and Ryan Lindgren. And the conditional pick is that uh, now, Anthony, what's the condition on this? Lafreniere it, scores 60. What's if he doesn't? What's the pick? A second, second. rounder? Okay. So two seconds for Lafreniere and, and Lindgren. Filk, who says no? I have a hard time seeing Buffalo give up on Jack Quinn. And the reason for that being is that Kevin Adams was widely criticized for making that pick. Widely criticized. There were a lot of other players available that seemed like better picks at that time, but Jack Quinn has turned out to be a hell of a player. And I think he's going to get better. I also don't think the Rangers are getting enough here to give up a lot for near. Like, if you were telling me that Alex DeBrinkett was coming back the other way or Travis Konechny, okay, then I, I I think Chris Drury would be far more inclined to not only give up Alexi Lafreniere, but you're giving up Ryan Lindgren on top of that? I, I think both of these teams say no. Uh, I think the Rangers say no. I, 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 again, no but I think Buffalo does not want to give up Jack Wynn. Uh, I, I I just think both these teams say no. I don't I don't I don't I I, I think the Rangers are too high on Lafreniere even still right now, and 
Ryan Lindgren is still a big piece of this team. I don't know what his future is right now with the New York Rangers because he's the one guy that they can actually deal. And I just don't know where his replacement is. But, yeah, I'm with Francesca on this. This is – um, I think there's no way the Rangers do it. I also don't think there's any way the Buffaloes do it. Uh, the Buffaloes? The Buffaloes, the Sabres. Um, the Buffaloes! Buffaloes! <laughs> 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 Sorry, it, was, it must be the hole in the head that I have. <laughs> yeah, Anthony, who says no? Uh, you know, Victor Olsson, 28 goals last year. Jack Quinn, 14 goals, 37 points in his first year pro. Not to mention a first and a second, which for a team like Buffalo, they're, they're starting to come out of a rebuild. But at the same time, they probably don't want to be trading high picks away like a first and a second. So you're talking legitimate goal scorer, a rookie who showed a ton of promise in his first year. And two high picks. It's not a high pick, though, anymore. What? It's not a high pick, though, anymore. It's a mid-range pick. 2024? Well, we don't know if they're going to be good or bad. I mean, it could be. They're, they're, they're not going pick. to get worse. I can tell you that that, that Buffalo team's not going to get worse. I, I, I think both teams say no. I, I think the Sabres have no interest in trading Jack Quinn, um, not to mention a first. And I don't think the rain. I think, actually, the Rangers are willing to trade Lafreniere in the right deal. But I don't know if they want to this trade Ryan Lindgren right yet. I don't know if they want to trade Lindgren yet. He's a he's a heart this and soul player. I mean, they might have to eventually because I don't know if they keep him going forward long term. But they don't Cap have restrictions to yeah. right now. They don't have to. All right. However, well, I will say Victor Olofsson would be a good fit for the Rangers. Victor Olofsson would be a good would be would fit in well depending on what the cost is. I, I, I I'm not convinced. On him for cheap. Just because they need cheap right wing depth, especially if Buffalo is willing to retain a tiny bit to make the cap work for the Rangers, but mm. I, I I doubt that this is a, uh, a, a, a this is just not enough for them to deal a lot from here. And you're going to tell me that Debrinket or Konechny are coming the other way, then okay, I I think the Rangers make that move at that point, but not not for something that's that's not established. Not not sure, and it, it, this is a bunch of quantity, really. I mean, aside from Quinn in the first, I mean, I just doesn't really do a whole lot for me. Yeah, I I got to ask that question about that too. I mean, again, but then again, I'm I'm still sitting there saying to myself, every scout can't be wrong, but apparently they might. Uh, I'm starting to start. I'm starting to lean towards maybe Lafreniere just doesn't have it, but. We'll find out about that. That's the end of our Big Apple Hockey's uh, Who Says No. And, I, well, we'll see about that next year Next year with that, Mike. Yeah, We're going to talk so more about that right so now. Uh, that's the end of Big Apple Hockey's Who Says No. We're going to start taking your comments, everybody, right now. Now, by the way, Musics, I agree with you on it. Like, I really like Lindgren, but health-wise and how much you're going to have to pay him is going to be a huge factor. Right now, he's a deal. Can they afford him at, say, for instance, $5 million, Phil? I, I Yeah, th- that's the thing for me. I don't want to give him that Mark Stahl, Dan Girardi-type contract where it ends up hamstringing the team. I, I don't I don't think he's worth $5, 6000000 million, anything like that. If you, if you were to tell me that he were to stay at, like, maybe three and a half, three seven five four million, something like that, okay, I'm also not convinced that he's a top-pairing defenseman. I, I don't. I, I like how he compliments Adam Fox, but this team would be so much better off if he was playing on one of the, the 
the two lower pairings. Sorry, but it's this this fan base yeah. and this team sometimes have a at least for the last thirty or so years have had a propensity to overrate players like this in this mold because of the style of game and the heart that they bring. Chef Bukabu was not a top pairing defenseman, but he was playing with Brian Leach because he was a compliment to Brian Leach. Dan Girardi was a compliment to Ryan McDonough, but he didn't belong anywhere near a top pairing. Ryan Lindgren, same, same mold, same mold, just smaller than the other two guys before him. So um, it, it's just, and, and Lindgren is not Girardi. No, Girardi was actually a worse defenseman. Girardi, Girardi actually, you know what? If Girardi would have never, um, if he would have came up later, I don't think Girardi would have ever made the NHL. He came up at the right time because he he was more of a prototypical yesterday shot blocking defenseman who was more of a puck whacker. But I mean, yeah. So he's the best left-handed defenseman on the roster. That's not saying a lot. It's not. I'm sorry, it's not. Keandre Miller, 40-point year. Yes, he can move the puck, but there, there's a lot of inconsistency with this game in his own zone. And that that's a big, big problem. Which is going to be very interesting with his new coaching staff. How are they going to first change up the D, which could very likely happen? Or is it a matter of adding more structure into them to actually make them better? There, there, there's going to be a lot of changes that the Rangers are going to make. Phil, who do you think the Rangers take at number 23? The, the, the mocks are so all over the place. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I think this is such a wide open year. I would want them to take a winger, but it's like, Who's really going to be available? Is, is Samuel Hanzik going to be available at 23? Is it Quentin Musty? Is, does, does Caleb Ritchie or or maybe Nate Danielson there? I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think they would like Danielson. I think Danielson kind of reminds me of someone like Chris Drury, funny enough, being the general manager. But, like, I I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just think that – there are a lot of different options available. I, I think you just have to go with best player at this point. I would like to see a win, uh, a right wing, but I mean, if they took a center, it wouldn't shock me either at this point. I, 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 actually, a defensive man wouldn't even shock me at this point either. I mean, I just don't think there's a real glut of real good defensemen at this point because David Reinbacher is really like the consensus top defenseman in this draft, and he's not – touted as a guy that's a, like a legitimate like franchise top pairing defenseman. He's a guy that's like a safe pick to be somewhere in a top four. And like the, the reports are all over on him. Some think he has that potential. He has the size to be, you know, the size and the skill to be that that top pairing guy. And others think that he he projects more as a second pairing defenseman who's just going to be a solid two-way guy. So I I don't think D is probably going to be the best pick here, but if they they see something they like, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they took one. They they do need defensive depth. They do need they do need defensive depth at this point. Anthony, in your opinion, when it comes to the NHL draft, should they be going 
on need or should they be going on who's the best player available? I mean, most teams go on mo- most teams go best player available, but there's situations where I think you need to take need. Um, like when the Oilers had the first round pick with three years in a row, a uh, Hall Nugent Hopkins in 2012, they took Yakupov, which I mean, they really didn't, everyone knew in their mother and they needed more defense. Um, I know Ryan Murray turned out maybe not to be what everyone thought, but you know, if you take, if you take the defenseman, I think that could have helped the, the Oilers, um, you know, more in the longer term. But again, they went with the best player available and they took Yakupov. So, um, again, most teams do BPA, but I, I am a firm believer that, you know, you should draft on need, but most teams go against the grain there. Yeah, I, I think if if best player available goes against your need, <clears throat> then you have to pause on it. Like, for instance, if the Rangers get another left wing that's available, I would have to stop and go, uh, let's go with somebody else. When's the last time they drafted a center in the first round? I think it might have been JT Miller. Yeah. I mean, I'm and I'm just throwing that out there. Uh especially after Yaroslav uh Askarov. Ask Askarov? The Predators goalie? No, Svechkov. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say Svechkov. No, no. Oh, sorry. I mixed up my Russians for a minute. But uh yeah. Well, there we are. You ask you got Askarov who's looks like he's ready to go, but now you got uh, UC Soros playing at a high level, you, you could actually get two of them to share the net and see if one of them takes it and runs. Yeah. But I mean, you also get, uh, and by the way, he could do Askarov could do many more push ups with the net if, if when he wins in, in Nashville. But also, you know, Svechkov was the guy I was thinking of. Svechkov, uh, the, they went with Svechkov instead, they went to uh, Brendan Ottman, which looks like it's a pick that's going to work out as of right now. We'll see about it soon enough. This is why I'm yeah. not the prospects master. I wouldn't pencil anything in and say any guy's a lock. Unless you're talking about a guy like, you know, Connor Bedard or whatnot. But yeah, I mean, um, Connor Bedard is, is the one that's going to work out. Yeah, Cause, cause when you say generational, he'll work out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, again, but, you know, what, what if the Rangers went with Byfield instead of Lafreniere? I mean, he's a center. I mean, Byfield is, hasn't exactly, you know, showed much yet either. So, um, what if they want Kirby Doc instead of Kako? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. another question that's in there too. Yeah. Which, by the way, once again, everybody, make sure you hit that like button for us. I haven't been saying it enough. I've been putting some of these up to make sure you hit that like and then share on that one. Um, I'm, I'm really, I'm really interested to see what they, what they do with Lafreniere if they if they move him at some point in the summer because I just. I know you're still you're still holding on, Mark. Say because that many scouts been wrong, but what I always point to is the following: when you looked at when you looked at Nathan McKinnon and Jack Hughes before the points were there, okay, you saw the elite speed and skating ability in their game yep. that you could say, okay, well, points aren't coming yet, but you could see the the untapped skill in this guy's game. When you look at Lafreniere, um, he doesn't he doesn't have the elite skating ability of of Nathan McKinnon or Jack Hughes, um, or the you know the hands, the, the stick handling ability. So you, you can't you can't have that to hold on to, okay, okay, and say like the immense skill is there. 
he doesn't he doesn't have what Jack Hughes and Nathan McKinnon had. I'm just using those guys as an example because those are guys first overall picks who didn't put up a lot of points right away. Um, that's that's my that's my concern. Now, if he continues to work on his conditioning and, and skating like John Tavares did, um, you know, may, maybe it's still there. That that's just my my one concern with him. But we'll see if the um, Rangers staff feels and- the same way. I don't know if they no, do. The they, Rangers they drafting for need didn't result in Dylan McElrath. The Rangers made a panic pick for the second time in 15 years when it came to facing the Flyers. The, the Rangers made a panic move in 1995 by dealing Nedved and Zubov for Robitaille and Samuelson because yep. they got bullied by Philadelphia. Then in, the, in that two-game series to end the season, that back-to-back, they got bullied by Philly again, and they went and drafted McElrath. So they made another panic move. It's not drafting for need. That's a panic move. Yeah. Now, getting to what Anthony's saying, first let me just say this for the audio people. Yeah, I completely spaced on Philip Heedle being drafted 21st, but or 21st to 20th. I can't remember which one it was. I, I really spaced on Leas Anderson because Leas Anderson, they said he was a center. They said he was a wing. They said he was a – they, they were all over the place. They called him a Swiss Army knife. They missed on Pedersen. Oh, they passed on Pedersen, yeah. No, they missed on Pedersen. They missed on Pedersen, yeah. Vancouver ended up taking Pedersen. Pedersen wasn't mocked that high, and that was the problem. The Rangers wanted Pedersen. That's where getting, they – Getting to what Anthony's getting at, though, and I have to go with this a little bit, guys, is – I do have that problem. As much as I want to say, Anthony, every scout can't be wrong. I do have the problem looking at Lafreniere going, what exactly is he excelling at? Besides, he throws the body a good amount, which is good. But it's sort of like there's got to be something. Somebody could look at the tape and say, Alexei, we're going to change around how we use you. And maybe he could take off. That's why I actually think Laviolette might be the guy for him. Because Gerard Gallant just said, go out there and skate. And yeah. when he didn't. I mean, that's all right. So the thing with Gerard Gallant and this team, it, 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 this is 93 all over again. They had a player's coach that babied them in Roger Nielsen. Messier didn't get along with Nielsen. That's the, that's the difference in this point. Actually, you know what? I can't even say that. Because the captain basically threw the coach under the bus in the exit meetings. Mm-hmm. Oh. So what what were your thoughts on Gerard? Uh that was Truba's response. <laughs> and Berkeley Goudreau wasn't that far behind. What was good about Gallant? So that doesn't tell you that leadership had a problem with Gallant. I don't know what will, but ultimately this is where we're gonna find out what these guys are made of. I've called them soft. I've said this leadership group is soft. We're gonna find out what we're made of because Laviolette's not going to let them get away with that. Laviolette is simply not going to let that happen. Uh, Stephen Valiquette was talking about it when uh, at the, during the press conference. They, you know, he said that they, he came in and he the goal was playoffs. And from day one, it was go, go, go. This is what's expected. And he was demanding. Now he's going to demand this from these players. And Alexi Lafreniere is going to be demanded – to have to try to, you know, change his off-seasons around more than likely and to, to give more of an effort and to have his feet moving on a nightly basis. And if he doesn't, then he's, you know what, 
we're going to find out what, what Alexi Lafreniere is made of this year because there's not going to be an excuse. There's not going to be a coach that doesn't know what he's doing because he's in over his head. There's mm-hmm. not going to be a coach that hangs them out to dry because he refuses to make adjustments and the the team went to the general manager and said they needed help. It's it's all on them now. Laviolette's an X's and O's guy. He knows how to make adjustments. He's a proven winner. He's hands-on. He's not going to take their crap. And I wonder if you're going to get guys that are going to be revitalized because of his style. I, I, the biggest question for me is the soft play of guys like Zibanejad, Panarin, the inconsistency from Kreider. Like, I want to see how these guys react to a guy that's not going to deal with that shit. He's going to demand the efforts and demand them to play playoff-type hockey from day one. That's what he said. So for, for me, I, I, I want to see how they react to that because that's that's the ultimate telltale line, uh, telltale um, you know, sign of where this team is going to go. And I, I think we may figure that out by like January or so. Because if they don't want to buy in, I, I, I think we're going to see guys move to the deadline. It's going to be an interesting next season, to say the least. Because our next year, there was all that optimism after losing to Tampa, which the red flag should have been that they folded pretty easily to Tampa. It's um, next season does get more interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm going to get right. Guys, we're going to cue the music and uh, get us out of here. And uh, everybody just thank you very much. Make sure that you're hitting the like for us because we need to get through the algorithm. Uh, it's uh, the 25 year that is still there right now with us. Thank you very much. Uh, this is because when I think about this season, I happen to think it's it's can they course correct and show that they're a cup contender? Because I think the roster says it that they can be, and I think if they add people, I think they're adding more bottom six guys. I still don't understand the people that want to add Pierre Luc Dubois on this team. Absolutely not. Uh, I I don't think they have the room. They don't have the cast space. And they don't have assets I would part with for that guy. And yeah, I'm not a fan. But whatever. I don't have to be. Um, I I think you're going to get some guys that are going to see the structure that Laviolette's going to bring and enjoy it. And he's probably going to wear out his welcome sooner than you think. So that's another one. I don't know. Uh, it, it just, to me, it's it's a different vibe now. And like I said, I, I think this is going to show who's going to stay and who's going to be moved out. I, I, I really want to see what happens with a, a hands-on coach mm. who doesn't accept the inconsistent efforts. I mean, and that was another thing that's plagued them with their last two coaches. Uh, coaches, in, in, you know, inconsistent efforts, flat starts. Just it wasn't there. It shouldn't have to get to a point of throwing a helmet. And the fact that it did under the lines this season, it, it, it just pathetic. And Lavio yeah. not going to let that happen. No, he, he, he and he'll react better to some bad losses. He'll be like, "Look, 
Uh, I think they had one against the Bruins in the 2012 season that was in 24-7 that they lost 6-0, and he just basically said, don't worry about it, guys. Let it burn. We'll come back on Monday, and we'll get back to work. Which sometimes handling it that way also works. All right, everybody. Uh, All right, everybody. Thanks very much for joining us and staying with us. Two hours and 15 minutes today. We were actually humming along for a long time today. Uh, And it's, it's always a good time doing this. And next week, we got draft coverage. We're, we're, we're trying to figure it out because I'm going to actually be away. I'm going to miss two big shows. I'm going to completely be annoyed about that. And uh, anyway, Phil, last word over to you. We'll see what happens draft night. I think it's going to be an interesting night with a lot of movement. All right. Hope to have good more news for you on that and good news for you on that soon enough. Talk to you soon.